welcome to the podcast. This is day seven of our story building, the novella, and we're going to talk about writing sex and romance. And we're going to have a very frank discussion about sex, about the mechanics of sex, about writing sex. So this podcast is explicit. Please do not let children under the age of 16 years old listen to this. Put your headphones on. Okay? Okay. Don't play it in public. (laughs) And don't play it in public unless you're... Just just don't play it in public. (laughs) Okay. Got your headphones on? Let's get started. Okay. One of them, here's the thing about writing sex. Um, obviously, that I have a good my on my plate as a writer. I write really good sex. Um, I'm really good at ripple management and consequences, and I have excellent dialogue. So I think that as a writer, you need to know where your where your good points are and where you're weak. And a lot of people writers are weak when it comes to the the sex um the sex part and so for me i think the reason that my sex is my sex scenes are normally great is that i um install a lot of honesty um and emotional clarity in my characters and so by the time they get to the bed it's on Donkey Kong. They don't, I mean, um, they're not bringing any ugliness with them. There's just some, there's just, there's just honesty and equality and there's no issues around consent and there's no issues. There's just, you know, and so that's how, I think some people get kind of wrapped around the axle when it comes to writing sex because they get so, fixated on the mechanics and they have to catalog everything like where the left shoe went and where the tie went and they get so wrapped up in these details and figuring out where everybody's arm is and where everybody's hand is and you know if there's more than one dick in the scene where the dicks are and they lose the emotional content in the process and the best sex that you write is <coughs> emotionally intimate. Now, we're not talking about writing erotica. And there's a big difference between writing erotica and writing sex in romance. When you're writing sex in a romance, it should be emotionally impactful. And if your characters are not there emotionally, then the sex shouldn't happen. I mean, in erotica, your characters can meet and beg in an elevator, and that's fine. But it doesn't make a lot of sense in romance unless that becomes the, like, that's a plot device. So, like, if your characters meet, they bang in, they bang in an elevator, they walk away thinking they're never going to see each other again. And so, and you could actually use it as a foil. Like, they have this kind of passionate but kind of emotionless sex. And then, oh, that's my new boss. Holy crap, I'm so embarrassed. And then you've got this tension, and then they get to know each other, and then you've got this contrast between the sex once they get to know each other and they're and they're having feelings versus you know the wham bam in the in the elevator or whatever. But generally, c- scenarios that occur in porn don't really belong in romance. <laughs> a bucket list, but a, a bucket list between two characters who know each other um, can be sexy and fun. 
Right. But a bucket list, I mean, like if you're just running around and your bucket list is to fuck as many random strangers as possible, that's not romance. That's erotica. And that's, um, um, there's a place for that. Mm-hmm. This is not, not the we're having. Um, I think one of the best ways to build intimacy during a sex scene is to have um, eye contact and um, to do a lot of touching, to have hands clenching together. Yeah, to- I was saying, yeah. Hand holding. Visualize how many movies have you seen where there's a really good sex scene and they zoom in on the character's hands clenched together? I mean, the best one that immediately comes to mind is the one in Terminator. Mm-hmm. I mean, that remains one of the hottest sex scenes I've ever watched on in, in a movie. Yep. That's that that's hot like fire. <laughs> and we don't see any, you know, we don't see any actual penetration. We wouldn't because it's not a porn movie. Um, but it's it's stark and romantic and intimate and desperate and lovely and um exciting and you can um you can see his inexperience and her desire for a human connection because she needs it because she's being hunted by a machine some kind of validation from him and he's seeking intimacy for the first time in his life he tells her there's never been anybody and their connection was so profound that um it it just it just it all the emotions of that scene stand out so much more than the physical activity and it was beautiful it is beautiful it remains one of the i mean it's just really um it's really hot there's a scene um um there's a moment in um in Hold My Coffee, where John and Meredith are picking out a movie, and she offers up Terminator as a choice, and he says, no way am I watching that sex scene not getting laid. (laughs) (laughs) Not gonna do it. (laughs) Because it's just, it's... Know your limits. It's really... Know your limits. It's really, you know, yeah, know your limits. Now, there's actually a, a sex scene in the movie they did watch. They ended up watching Starman. And there is a sex scene in that, but it isn't nearly as um, starkly intimate as the sex scene is in Terminator. No, if the one in Starman, as I recall, and I haven't seen Starman in at least 15 years, yeah. it's almost more otherworldly and kind of curious. There's almost yeah. more curiosity than there is intimacy. Yeah. Now, see, he's just as inexperienced with sex as Kyle, but Kyle went all in. <laughs> it's like, give me all this. <laughs> it's like a dam broke. Yeah. You know, he banked all that up for years and then it just broke free. Whereas the Starman, he was just genuinely curious about what they were doing and her body and um, giving her a baby, even though she didn't know it. Um, a beautiful scene, though. It's beautiful. I really enjoyed um, that movie. Um, but you have to decide. That's illustrative of how you have to decide what kind of sex you want your characters to have. And then prepare accordingly. Whether Meaning- it's soft and intimate or hard and rough. And there's a place for that even in romance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's totally a place for, you know, pinning somebody to a wall and fucking them. Yep. You know, Totally. <laughs> 
get some because sex is supposed to be fun and exciting um and it's not about the sex you have or the sex you want to have or the sex you never want to have it's what the sex your characters are having I make it a point not to inject my sexuality in my characters, which is good because most of the time I, I do tend to, I mean, I do write slash pairings. And so it really wouldn't serve me to stick my het female sexual desires in the middle of my gay pairing. Doesn't make right. any sense. And there's, there's a lot of things I've had my characters do that I've never done. Um, and I try to, you know, I, I don't always have my characters liking the same things and, you know, um, or having the same hot zones or anything like that because it, people are all different. Um, so you have to you kind of know, yeah, you need to know what your character wants and how they want it. Right. Now, like sometimes, now like in Sentry, where Sentry does have, I wouldn't call Sentry a romance, but where it does have romantic elements, it has two romantic subplots. Um, but one of them start, they start off almost exactly the opposite. So, Steve and Tony fall, kind of fall for each other before they do anything. So all of the physical overtures are very tentative and they're a little bit slow um, until they're not, you know, until they kind of, so when they get there, it, it never has, it, it never lacks emotional con connection between them because they were in a relationship before they started banging. However, Thor and Tony is completely different. Tony thought he was just having a good time. So their relationship starts off very physical and the emotions develop. So the tone of their sexual encounters changes over the and towards the last third of the story. Um, they're, they're on board. Now Thor's on board for feelings from the beginning. Tony's not on board that train for a while. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. You can see. You know, honestly, you can see in the character of Thor from the from the moment we see him on screen um, that this, that despite the fact that he's with his family and he has obviously he has a large circle of friends that he is kind of lonely. Mm -hmm. That he lacks personal intimacy, and so I think that's why he lashes on to Jane Foster so quickly in the movie. Um, to I think to his detriment personally, because um, I don't. I mean, honestly, if I was going to pair him with a woman in that movie, it would have been Darcy. I mean. I agree. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think she's a great fit for him either. But she was better than, than Jane. It, they, it, they had no chemistry. There was nothing there. There was nothing there. It was void. Um, so. Honestly, Thor has more chemistry with Phil Coulson than he does either one of those women in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> he really does. And honestly, he has the most on-screen chemistry with his brother, which I see where people latched on to the fact that they weren't related to jump on that as a ship because there's nobody he had more chemistry with than Loki. But I am firmly in the camp that that was fraternal. Totally sibling. It is obviously that Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth um, get along great. <laughs> it's really obvious in their... Um, interactions on screen that they have a great deal of like respect for one another um yeah and so i think because if i was, was gonna pair him with an asgardian it would probably be him doll but it, yeah i think phil colson's a beast yeah absolutely yeah but of the people who appeared on screen with the problem is on the people in first thor the people he was on screen with and actually i guess even the second one 
people he was on screen with, he had no chemistry with. And the only person he had any kind of remote chemistry with, and I do believe it came across as sibling to me, was his, was, was, was Loki. So I think because that lack of chemistry resonated with the audience. And so they didn't even question and gravitated towards the brothers as a pairing. Um, I mean, I get it. I just don't like it. <laughs> oh yeah. I get why it happened. I just, no. Um, I don't, I mean, no, it's not actual incest, but I don't, pseudo incest is just as bad as far as I'm concerned. But Thor Phil could have been interesting. It just would have been completely improbable. Mm-hmm. So that's true. That's true. Once all you need is one fandom. Um, so you point out the supernatural fandom and dead and the hatred of incest for a lot of people. And all you need really is one, you know, one fandom to kind of break down, start breaking down that barrier and uh, it it just starts in going all over. Um anyway. Margaret, we missed you last week when we were talking about supernatural and you weren't here to apologize. But I think someone did it for you. On your behalf, they apologize for your fandom. (laughs) So anyway, um, but you can have the tone of the sex in your story change if they aren't in a relationship, which is what I did um, in Century. Or you can have your characters um, start with one level of feeling and their feeling grows. Or you can wait until they are fully on board and where they are in their relationship when they start having sex should be reflected in how the sex scene is because there's less intimacy between people who've known each other for six hours than there is between people who've known each other for six years conceivably you know i actually had someone write me once and um talk and they I don't remember what the scene was, but they said that um, it made them uncomfortable to read about characters looking into each other's eyes as they had sex. And I'm like, you don't. And I wanted to ask them, you mean you don't look into the eyes of your partner when you're fucking? Because are you serious? I want to go, who hurt you? (laughs) That's hot. If you can't look at the person that you're fucking in the eye, why are you fucking them? I mean, it's just my personal opinion. That's just weird. I'm totally with you. I'm not not saying like 100% of the time, but if you can't meet your partner's eye when you're having sex with them, you have no business having sex with them. I mean, there's like complete zero eye contact. That's weird. That speaks to a lack of, of emotional and physical comfort. It's psychological discomfort. It's just, I don't get it. No, I can't imagine. I mean, it actually seems like a distancing technique to not meet somebody's eye during sex. Um, Like, this is actually a pretty common trope, and it's very effective for what it is. It's like somebody who always only fucks people from behind, right? So they don't have to interact with them. At a, you know, they just you know, and not that there's anything wrong with fucking somebody from behind. It's a great position. But if you frankly. always do it, so you don't have to look at your partner's face, that speaks to somebody who's got deep issues with intimacy. Okay, it's it's a good trope, actually. And it's for, a good character choice if right. your character is emotionally unavailable. It is not a good character choice if you're trying to convey a character who's open to, you know, 
emotionally open. So it, so it can be a very good trope that can convey without actually saying the words at all that your character has issues. Um, so eye contact is a, is a really big deal. Um, and if your characters aren't capable of it, then you need to compensate. If you're writing a character who is adverse to eye contact, um, whether it's because of cultural expectations or societal training or because of autism, then you need to address that in your narrative and make sure that your character is developing other ways to connect with people around them, to create emotional and intimate bonds. Because that's that's where romance is. It's it, um it's in the creation of emotional and and intimate bonds, and that and that's where romance happens. That's where romantic sex happens. Um, and in your writing, you, you have to address that. You can't ignore it. Yeah, because your character starts stops being three dimensional and turns into a, a flat structure on the page. Yeah. Uh, so. You need to give them depth. There are other ways you can convey intimacy that aren't don't have anything to do with eye contact. There are a few that I can like visually see, like um, cupping somebody's face, especially to touch the cheek. Um, cupping the side of somebody's neck is a little more reassuring than it is intimate to me. But the face is definitely intimate. You don't touch somebody's face. That's a very intimate area. Um, uh, stroking the inside of the wrist um, with fingers or if you're holding somebody's hand and you like stroke the inside of the wrist with a, with a thumb, like if you're palm to palm and stroke the inside of the wrist of the thumb, that's very intimate. Stroking the hip bones, um, again, very intimate. So there's ways. Oh, the hip can, bones are very sexy. Right. <laughs> hip bones is one of my, hip bones, and hip bones, cheekbone and wrist. Those are my three favorite areas to kind of convey that there's more going on here than just fucking. Um, One of my favorite moments in a fic I wrote was a Sentinel and God fic. It's from group from green to blue or green. I can't remember which, which the color was. Is that when they're um, when John um, is penetrating Rodney, he cups his hip, and Rodney stills. And it's something that they did when they were together before. And it was just John's way of saying, you know, hey, I got this. Relax. I'm gonna take care of this. I'm gonna take care of you. And it was just this um, remembrance of their previous relationship as lovers. And it was just like the sexiest thing. I was like, oh, that's so hot. <laughs> that's so hot. Because <laughs> there's honestly nothing hotter than having a partner in bed with you who's like, I got this. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's all good here. Yeah. And that's the kind of, um, the thing is, is if you're writing a character who um, is emotionally unavailable, um, it's going to show up in their interactions with others. And and it's fine to write a character that is that way. It's just make it realistic because if they're emotionally unavailable in general, it's going to take time for them to open up sexually. So if you have, so you want to break that barrier down gradually and you can show that, that progression in the way you write your sex scene. Just don't say it, show it. Don't, you don't need to have the, you need to let the audience, this is one of those things I can, I can get very wrapped around the axle about when I read somebody's sex scene, is when the, when they show me something really beautiful, I got it, 
and then and then they have the character the, the character think about it a lot meaning they're telling me this thing that I already got it's so much less impactful to to have the character tell me what I already just saw yeah stop stop author explaining to me I got it <laughs> if, if you did a good job with the sex scene you know kudos don't destroy your wonderful work and your wonderful the emotions you managed to convey by over explaining what you did through because then you just kind of you just ruin the whole moment yeah collarbone is great too dark collarbone collarbones can anything about the, the collarbone the neck the face think about area these areas are very vulnerable Spots where so, your skin is kind of thin and the and the bone and the skin are close together tend to be very sensitive. The hip bone, the collarbone, the jaw, the spine. Um, just, yeah, the spine is a little bit less intimate, but there's something about somebody really paying a lot of attention to somebody's spine. If you're not face to face, if the character's not face to face, that's really can be very hot. Um, yeah, and, and we see. I would say. One of the like like a really sexy moment would be like if if the sex is happening from the behind position and then you have the person doing the penetrating, um, like trail small kisses up up the spine, right, and maybe breathe against their shoulder blade, um, during the that's that's hot, that's sexy, that's intimate. So you want to create those small moments where the actions that Sometimes things, sometimes you want your characters to do things um, during sex or particularly um, that it becomes like a, an act of service almost. Does that make sense? It's like, um, I'm going to do this for you because I know that you like it, even though it's not going to do much for me moment, like kissing up the back. Um, worshipful. Yeah. You know, stroking the sides, the, the rib cage. Shrugging mm -hmm. the thighs, you know, when you spread them open, you know, just like it's just a moment of um, just touch that's not necessarily sexual. And also, sometimes a small kiss, the right small kiss, can be very impactful. Impactful. So let's say you're they're they're um, front to back, right? So sex from behind. Something like sweeping the hair out of the way and pressing a kiss to the side of the neck can be more intimate than and more sensual than full-on tongue fucking or rimming <laughs> or rimming i got really butt hurt Just, at a fic. Go i got really butt butt hurt at a fic the other day about a rimming scene that sounds strange actually anyway pause did you just say that you got butt hurt about a rimming scene yeah whatever don't judge me. <laughs> I'm judging you. Anyway. I am judging you so hard right now. <laughs> anyway, there was this um, first time the characters had sex. They didn't actually like have penetrative sex, right? It was this really super graphic, very impersonal rimming scene. And they had already been kind of in a relationship. They not kind of. They were already in a relationship when this happened, and it was so impersonal. And like I said, super graphic. Because sometimes them, I don't mind graphic, but sometimes the more like something really graphic is really drawn out really long. And honestly, I don't ever see the point in drawing out a rimming scene for a long time. But whatever. 
it just was. Trust me, it was. It was. It was very impersonal. Um, and um, and then they skipped the well, first time. Well, whose POV was it in? I'm curious. Uh, Derek's. So who was getting the rimming? Styles. So Styles was getting, and Derek was rimming somebody, mm-hmm. and it was impersonal. Mm-hmm. That's that's an accomplishment. I mean, you always have to, you know. <laughs> uh, it just it read like porn. Okay, it read like okay. porn. There was no emotional context at all, right? Which was weird because there had been emotional context up to that point, and then all of, and there was emotional context after, but there was none during that scene. And then, so that's pretty much all you got, right? Was this rimming scene? And then there was some jerking off, but whatever. And then. They skipped showing the actual sex the first time it happened. It just the story was just over. What? Yeah, the story just ended. The story ended right when they went off to have sex the first time, and I went, "That's the only sex in the story." Is that really kind of horrifying? Thing? <laughs> just, and the thing is, the story wasn't bad. There was nothing wrong with the story, really. Otherwise. Except for that one weird impersonal rimming scene. And the thing is, I, I know it's such a strange thing to say. And that's why I said, I, uh, was, really but, I was really butthurt about the rimming scene because I was. <laughs> I mean, honestly, this is just me. I'm, I have no, I've not read this story, so I'm, I'm not poking at the author. Um, but just from, from a um, writer's perspective, um, going out of the gate, a rimming scene wouldn't be my first choice for a sex act between two, um, um, two new partners. Um, I would lean towards um, um, mutual hand jobs. Frottage, um, maybe. Um, how do you say it? Frottage? Mm-hmm. Frottage. I mean, I will say it correctly, but for, it will forever be in my mind, fraudage. <laughs> <laughs> Protage. But apparently the word is French. Right? Yeah. Although I think somebody's telling me it's fraught age, and that isn't what it is. <laughs> my baby. I mean, I think rimming should be a conversation. There should be, like, a conversation about rimming. Hey, I'd like to do this for you. Um, when's the last time you had a shower? <laughs> But you know those that that's like a real life conversation that doesn't often take place in romance. I mean, you know, frankly, um, I prefer that my sex partners have a shower before we have sex, regardless of what sex act we're going to have. <laughs> Personally, but that isn't a conversation that takes place in romance. Uh, yeah, somebody mentioned the intercrural sex um, is underused. Um, maybe, maybe. And I intercurl guess, I guess, is like um inter. How you say it? Say intercurl, intercurl. C r u r e l. It's um intercurl. It, curl. It can also be called um interfemoral. Yeah, I, baby. I know. I'm saying it can also be called interfemoral sex, which inter interfemoral <laughs> sex, which should be <laughs> which might makes more sense to people than curl, but um anyway, um. It can, it could be good, but I've, I would say the reason why it's hard for me to say it's underused because 99% of the time when I've read it, it's not good. Um, I think I'd be more likely to write that in a BDSM scene. Like I kind of got this thing in my head about, you know, 
Never mind. I'm gonna write that. Never mind. I'm hold on. I'm gonna make notes <laughs> about something. Just gonna make notes. Now, in BDSM context, you can honestly. There's some. I've tried some frottage and in in uh, in BDSM that is a little different than where I see it in out of BDSM context. Um, when there's a like a power dynamic going on, there can be some very intimate sex where you get the submissive naked, especially if the dom is still dressed, and it's like you're going to ride my thigh till you come. That can be quite hot. Um, yeah, intercural sex could be um, a little bit um, like you want to deal with prep or something like that. Or, but the thing is, I I think if you're going to get naked and you're going to put your your dick between someone's thighs and get off that way. You're pretty much only doing that because you uh, aren't wanting to deal with the time for prep. Because pretty intimate, actually, to to do that. I don't know. It's it, it's got a, it's, to me. It's got a particular niche, and I just don't often find it being used well. I think that I would probably find it most hot in a BDSM situation. Yeah, because um, I, I don't find. Um, uh, I think that should be true across the board that maybe that you just should never read the Wikipedia page about something you really enjoy because it'll just ruin it for you. <laughs> like I don't, I've never in my life found mammary sex hot ever. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I have big boobs. I've had more than one man ask me if he could fuck my tits. It's just like, really dude, is that really what you want to do? Really? No. <laughs> I've never let a man do that. Not ever. No. I've just never I've just never found it particularly hot, you know? And I've I've seen I've seen it I've seen it written, I've seen it in porn. I've even seen it in person. Um I've just never found it hot. You know, to kind of just be sitting there holding your tits together so somebody can fuck. I mean my husband is a self proclaimed tit man. And yes, he I mean but no, never. I have never let a man nah. Not happen to him. But in in function, it's not all that different between the breasts, between the thighs, right? But, it, you know, right. it, fe- it feels different for whatever reason. Probably partially because whenever he gets off, he's coming on your face. <laughs> right? So, and if he's not coming on your face, it's because he's facing the opposite direction, in which case his ass is in your face <laughs> the entire time. So the answer is no. No. The answer <laughs> is no. You know what? It would take several thousand dollars for me to let a man come on my face. I'm putting that out there. Several thousand dollars. I'm talking like five. Five thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm going to go into the five digits. I need at least ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have put not to be a lesbian about it. In front of that. <laughs> not to be a lesbian about it, but I need more money than that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, honestly, that is something we should talk about. Um, when it comes to the difference between erotica and um, writing a love scene versus writing a sex scene. And writing um, sex and a romance is a love scene. And there are certain things that um, you see in erotica and in porn that really have zero place in romance. Um, and coming on somebody's face is one of those things. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I don't mean like, you know, a blowjob getting a little dirty 
you know, and there's spillage. Um, but facials have no place in in romantic sex. It's just there's nothing romantic not. about it. It it has too many. There's not a person who can read a facial ever and not think of porn. It evokes porn. It's, That's what it's, it does. It's a really degrading act, personally. <laughs> okay, I agree with you. Mammary intercourse is is terribly unsexy, but so is tit fucking. So, so whatever kind of the thing is, whatever mood, decide what mood you want to convey. What are you trying to say about where, what your characters are, and then pick what you're going to write accordingly. And, you know, like if you want to convey emotional intimacy, you don't want an emotionless rimming scene, an impersonal emotionless rimming scene. It just isn't going to convey the intimate kind of emotional intimacy that you want. I mean, Um, you could actually have like in that scene, how it could have gone is that Derek could have backed styles up against the wall and slowly unzipped his pants and pushed his hand in. And the whole time he's watching Styles. He's watching Styles' cheeks go pink with a blush, and his eyes get dark, and his mouth get a little pursed, and the breath come out. And the whole time he's jerking him off. He's looking at Styles' face. Yeah. Watching pleasure. That's hot. That's sexy. Um, so and that's you know, that's that's intimacy. And you can do that regardless of the partners. I mean, if it's a woman and a man or a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Watching is one of the things I use a lot in it for intimacy in a sex scene where the ca- character who's sort of in the top role in the scene um, is watching the person they're kind of, you know, doing a lot. Um if I have any kind of power dynamic between the couple, the do- the top is is definitely doing spends a lot because they I like to write a dom or a top who enjoys seeing their partner aroused and seeing them f- flush with pleasure to see them just come undone. I really enjoy that vibe in a dom so that I write that a lot. I write a dom who wants to see their partner kind of fall apart due to pleasure. So I write watching a lot. Um Yes, Ian had Ian definitely has Dom vibes, and he does like to watch. Um, the most, um, the most watch. Ian Edgerton is just a really dominant alpha male, but yeah. he's a respectful dominant alpha male. <laughs> yeah, the most watch I the most of that vibe right there that I just mentioned that I ever put in a story wasn't stick around. Um, when when Dom and Tony have sex for the first time, Dom's a sentinel. And Tony is is his guide, and he recognizes that on some level, even though Tony's not online. And so Tony is the perfect feat feast for Dom's senses, and he wants it all. He wants to see it. He wants to taste. He wants to smell. He wants to smell Tony's skin. He wants to smell the sweat coming out of out of his pores. He wants everything that is Tony, and he pushes him pretty hard in that first sexy, and Tony's all in on it. I actually had one lady write me privately while it was still on rough trade that she had to write me privately because she was too embarrassed to comment after she had read that sex scene. So I was like, Oh honey, (laughs) bless your heart. She said she never (laughs) blushed so hard in her entire life. I was like, (laughs) thank you. Thank you so much. So the watching, watching can be very, a very intimate thing. 
Um, cause it's, it's when somebody's watching you when you're having sex, when they're just focusing on watching your reactions and stuff, that is, you feel very exposed. But um, you also feel very cared for. And being the sole focus of somebody's attention is exciting and validating. And yes to all the wall sex. <laughs> so as I've said before, is if there is a character strong enough to hold somebody against a wall and fuck them against it, that wall sex is happening. Provided sex fits in the story. Because there was one, at least one story I've had where there, there was a character strong enough for, the, for wall sex that sex never happened in the story. So... but you know i write a lot of i I write het i write slash i i don't really have a preference when it comes to that i like for character relationships and their gender is often not on my radar until it comes time for them to fuck and then i gotta figure out how they're gonna put those parts together to make each other happy and that's when it's important to me and even then you know whatever parts they got i can work with it i don't care i don't care what's in your pants store-bought is fine I'm, I'll make a confession here. This is just, it's just, this is a me thing. There's not any, there's no, sometimes we have issues that are no reflection on reality. They're just a reflection of what's in our head, you know, just our quirks. Mm-hmm. I've written um, gay male sex. I've written gay female sex. I have no problem with either. I have a hard time with that sex. It's not because I can't write it, but it's because I tend to write a pretty strong power dynamic in mm-hmm. my stories. And... I don't like it in head sex. <laughs> I don't know. So what happens if I take it out and then it just seems flat as a pancake to me. And it's like, meh, I don't want to do it. <laughs> There's nothing rational about that, but I always do this. But every time yeah. I've tried to write head sex, I take any kind of power out of it. And it's like, well, that was boring. Well, I'll put the power back into it. I just can't. I don't know why. It's just like, no, no. I mean, I have some theories about why, which aren't worth exploring in this podcast. But anyway, so, you know, I was like, well, that's not hot. So, well, but you're assuming you made an assumption there, Margaret, that's not the case, actually. You're assuming that I'm giving the men the power and that it's putting me off. And that actually isn't the case. It's actually the reverse. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. If Julie said, hey, I wrote this het BDSM, I'm going to assume that the dom is the woman. Without even her telling me anything more about it, I would assume that the Dom is a woman. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I would just make that assumption about her. Um, it reminds me of that. Com- I saw a little meme of this comic. It's a black comic. And he says, I like to start conversations by telling people that my boyfriend wants to adopt a raccoon. Because that tells you three things about me. Yay. I'm not single. And I'm in an interracial relationship. The implication being that no, no black man would want to adopt a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, fair. <laughs> His boyfriend's white. I get it. Fair. <laughs> My cousin has a raccoon. <laughs> 
I mean, not on purpose. Like she didn't do it on purpose. She didn't adopt the raccoon on purpose. Um, but white people tend to to do crazy shit, like try to adopt wild animals. That's just a white person thing to do. Um, we just we just do dumb shit like that. But she didn't mean to adopt the raccoon. It just it just happened. She fed it once, and then. And then that happened. Because she said it looked hungry and she was worried because she was worried that it wouldn't have enough food and it seemed small. Well, it was small and now it thinks that she's his mom. I mean, to, uh, to be fair, I'm sitting here pondering it. To be fair, I, I have to say that every time I've seen a news article about, you know, so-and-so died at the hands of the tiger they weren't supposed to have, it's always a white person. <laughs> right? So, you know, quit bringing mountain lions home. I mean that there was an article about this lady who accidentally um she thought she had a dog she um, um she found a puppy she found a puppy y'all on the side of the road so she brings it home and she raises it but it's a little it's a little difficult to raise I mean it's a little wild and she doesn't really know and she takes it to the vet no it was a fox it was a white fox she thought it was like a pomeranian thing or like a, I mean, it did look kind of like a little dog, but it was a fox, and so she had to give it to the local zoo. The zo the local zoo took it, you know, because it wasn't it had been domesticated too much to live on its own. Um, but obviously, she could not keep it because it was trying to kill her, <laughs> her other animals. But yeah, and I was like, she's white. It didn't cross my mind that <laughs> she wasn't. White. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what somebody says. Dirt apparently skunks make good pets, you know. I ran into I ran into a skunk once, once like came across it like walking out in nature, right? And there's a skunk sitting there on the trail. I'd have rather run into a bear, honestly. I'd have rather <laughs> run into a bear. I backed up the slowest I have ever moved in my entire life, trying not to draw any attention, and then ran like hell. Anyway, none of that has anything to do with sex. So, um, but yeah, I, I oh assumptions is how we got there. Um. But assumptions actually, this is a good topic to, to talk about because um, you don't. Um, what you don't want to do is to write your characters in the same. Uh, the you don't want to write every single character you write with the same exact sexuality. They can't all like the same things. Um, sexuality is a spectrum. We're not talking about. We're not even talking about even the difference between being gay and straight or bisexual or demisexual or pansexual. Yes, that's a big ass spectrum, right? Um, from from ace to anything. <laughs> ace storm. But there there is a spectrum within sexualities. Like you don't expect like not all women who are heterosexual enjoy being penetrated. And you need to know what your character likes and does not like. And your character should not like and not like the same things. You don't want to write the same character over and over and over and over again. Because that would be weird. And boring. And, you know, not all... not. I mean, people... There's this interesting thing. If we, we, can, we say not all women like penetration. And we can get there. But the funny thing is you say not all lesbians like, like penetration. Like digital penetration. You go, well, then how do you have sex? Well... Oh, honey. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that the only sex you have? Right, so people would make these assumptions, and honestly, the what is even a bigger assumption is that all gay men like anal sex. No, no, I've actually known many 
gay men who don't like anal sex. So, well, I know I've known more than one man whose prostate was too sensitive for anal sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a done and gone moment. Like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. Whereas some some and also, and some straight men really like prostate stimulation. So that yeah. prostate doesn't have a whole lot to do with sexuality, although there's a perception no. that it does. Uh, but I've known quite a few gay men who don't want anything to do with anal sex. Actually, either direction, not the fucking and not the receiving. Some don't want to receive because either they're prostate sensitive or, or honestly just that they just cannot relax for penetration. They just maybe can't they do had it. a bad experience or maybe they just have too many. Maybe they have germ issues. Because if you have a germ phobia, the last thing Honestly, if my germ phobia was just a little bit more advanced, no penetrative sex would happen. None. I wouldn't. I, I mean, if I, if my, because I did, I was pretty germ phobic for a while, but I can promise you, I wouldn't let a penis anywhere near my vagina. <laughs> it's like, no. Give you the idea. No, that's not going I mean, in me. Nope. What's the matter with you? If I can't when boil you, it, it's not going in there. When did you wash that last? How thick is that condom? <laughs> but I'm just saying, so not every character is going to be the same. And so you need, you know, you need to treat them like individuals when it comes to the touches that they like, the the kisses that they like. You know, some characters might really enjoy getting that little that little sweet kiss on their temple, and it might drive others nuts. Don't do that. What's like, the don't do that. Um, uh-uh. On the other hand, you don't touch my head. You don't want to. You don't want to oh, write. That's. So you don't want to write a character that's too Goldilocks, though, because your audience will start rolling their eyes. Right. So it's one thing to have your character express a preference, you know, like oh, that's not what really work for me. But kind of limit how much you do that, because if your character, if your your if their romantic partner is constantly tripping over the things they don't like, your audience is going to start to get turned off, and hate your character. You remember you're you're trying to write in, in in a romance. You want your character to be relatable, um, so that the person reading this can relate to their circumstances and can relate to their emotional state, um, and um, can really invest themselves in the relationship that these two or three or four characters are trying to build. And while some characters might really enjoy having somebody hold their head um, during an oral sex scene, others might have had a terrible experience with that and would not tolerate somebody holding their head. And you don't actually have to say it out loud. I mean, if somebody's giving somebody else a blowjob, as one does, um, and maybe the person getting the blowjob puts their hand on the giver's head, the giver can just kind of push the hand away. Let them know that's a no. And you have that um, um, you have that action be respected and then there doesn't have to be a huge conversation about it unless it comes up later and it is relevant to their history because if a man puts his hand on my head during that it's done we're over we're we're finished <laughs> i don't mind no. i don't i don't mind the hand just touching like just hand there if there's any pressure any attempt to guide or hold me still uh uh-uh. uh it's like, motherfucker, you're confused about who's in charge here. <laughs> I'm in charge, in case you missed it. <laughs> I wouldn't say that um, I'm a particularly dominant person in bed, but I do have issues with certain things. And 
trapping me in a situation where I can't move and control my own body is a no-go. And um, so, you know, just knowing how your, um, this is, this goes back to character profiles, knowing your character, knowing their history, when they're going into a relationship, when they're going into a sex scene um, is important. You need to know where they're coming from and how they got there. Um, you need to know if they're a virgin. Because while virginity is a social construct, for a woman, it actually has a physical consequence. For some, not all. I mean, um, the hymen is... Some women are being born without hymens. Um, well, virginity think, is a virginity is a big thing as a social construct. But there is a, it's very real that your first time having sex or your first time trying a new sex act can be a very big deal. So if you've never been penetrated before, whether you're a man or a woman... There's going to be some, you're going to have some feelings about what's about what's happening, because regardless of how impersonal the sex might be, it is a very vulnerable position to let somebody inside your body. Yeah. So while the, and, while the and you while, need to reflect that while the societal concept of virginity is a construct, virginity in itself, we, we could even call it cherry popping if you want. I mean, we used to have cherry parties. Um, every different sex act the first time you do it, there are potential emotional consequences to that. Some people react more strongly to giving head the first time than they do to being penetrated the first time. Because people have different experiences. I, depending, some days I'm much more twitchy about having things in my mouth than I am having things. Honestly, the thing I'm the least twitchy about, you know, emotionally is anal sex. I'm like, yeah, sure, go for it. <laughs> It's me that could be almost impersonal. So this is in the chat room I want to address that first time sex doesn't have to hurt and that they're tired of that first time of agony thing. Here's the thing. Don't say shit like that because every hymen is different. And for some women, um, no matter how much preparation is done, no matter how much stretching takes place, it's going to be extremely painful and bloody. But because that's the hymen is different. And whether the hymen is torn, whether the hymen is stretched, um, whether, I mean, it, I had a very patient partner. My hymen was so thick. I asked my gynecologist to remove it for me and she refused. That's bullshit. The first three times I had sex, I cried. See, and you could reflect if you want to put that kind of something like that, not the crying, but something like that in your story in a better way. <laughs> you could have like your first time if you're writing a, a het pairing or even a lesbian pairing where there's going to be like a strap on involved or something. You could have the partner doing the penetrating notice that the hymen is intact, that it's very pronounced and say, I don't think we should try this. I think you should go to the doctor. So that said, that said, when it comes to het sex, this could very realistically be a realistic consequence of first-time sex. There should be no blood with first-time anal sex. Okay? None. Anal tearing is not the same thing as vaginally tear tearing or or doing something to the to the hymen, whether it's a tear or breaking it or whatever. That's very different than anal. So I agree with whatever was said about the first time blood thing when it pertains to anal sex, because I am so over the idea that it is normal. And this is what this is, is heterosexual women writing anal sex who haven't got a clue. That's what you're seeing when you see that. 
I don't think right. a gay man would ever write that a little bit of blood during anal sex is okay. Oh no, it is not. It is not normal. Don't mm, go to the doctor. No. Go to the doctor. Anal, anal fissures. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you guys, literally, legit. Anal fissures can take months to heal completely. Months. Think about that, and they can be painful for a week or more. And when I say they take months to fully heal, that means they can reopen easily. So if there's tearing, that person could be off anal sex for months. That's the reality. So it need it needs medical intervention. Yes, because you can get you can get really sick. Um, but yeah, so so whenever I see somebody say that um, that that hymen removal shouldn't be painful, you set young women up because for some for some young women it's going to be painful. No matter how careful their partner is, no matter how how much preparation there is, and really my partner, my first sex partner was. A freaking saint when it came to that he was so patient and so careful and so upset he cried the second time because it still hurt and he was so upset he he was just like he was devastated that he wasn't getting it right but it wasn't his fault I'm, my my hymen was three times thicker than it should have been and the opening was no bigger than the head of a pencil i couldn't even use a tampon until after i and if I hadn't been so young, I would have gone to a different doctor and demanded its removal. But I took that doctor to, to be the standard. So I fired her and, and never went back. But by the time I saw a gynecologist again, I was already sexually active. And for the record, I did have to have part of my hymen removed during that exam because it had torn so irregularly that she was afraid that there would be scar tissue. Not only can they remove it, they can put it back. <laughs> Not that I don't know why anybody would want. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know why they would want it. Um, but whatever, what the fuck ever. All should see my expression because putting it back—that's about the societal construct of virginity. Yeah. Um. Now my hymen decided to. It was gonna. It was really easy to be done with. I lost it in a in a bike accident when I was nine. <laughs> The reason I knew, and I didn't know at the time that that's what was going on, but it was the only inexplicably bloody thing that had happened to me in my entire life, and I had no time by the time I started having sex. So, um, so I was nine, and I took my, you know, dropped my bike into a ravine with me on it. And, um, yeah, anyway, so it was a very bloody experience, but that was that. That's just gross. Um, okay, so there are some things that are just, if you're wondering, like, if, if you're ever writing something, you go, is this accurate? Could this be this way? Some things you can get the answer to some, is that accurate? Is this the way this works? From porn. Um, is that, find some porn that deals with the position that you want your characters to be in. If you can't find any porn that has the position that you've got in your head, odds are it's not possible. Because there's porn for everything. There's a reason why there's no porn for two people standing side by side fucking the same hole. It's because it's not physically possible. <laughs> Come on now. That's just basic physics, y'all. Unless you've got tentacles, and this is not a Star Trek I story. mean, honestly, two grown people can't stand in front of the same refrigerator. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, you know... Porn can help a lot if you have an experience like some sex acts, right? Especially, I get like a lot of slash, specifically a slash, a lot of slash fiction is written by heterosexual women. 
and many of them have never had anal sex, right? So a lot of your questions can be answered by a minimal amount of Googling about male anatomy and or watching some porn. Um, and if you can't find the position you're, you've, you've imagined in your head somehow, it may not be physically possible. So I'm just saying. <laughs> um, there could be a variety of reasons why um, the ladies, het women, would still need to um, search. Or you might not, you might be ace and you need to do some research for sex if you want to write a sex scene. Um, research is your friend in this regard. And if you're not getting the answers you need from that, ask a friend that you've got writing buddies that I need to know about sex. <laughs> it is I way. To, I want to do this. Is it possible? And how long could they physically be in this position before one of them got an extremely d painful cramp and died? <laughs> because there is just so much, there is just so long you can have your, your, um, your legs up on a man's shoulders. Okay. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. It's not after a C-section. It's after a vaginal birth. Though the husband stitch is an outside is a extra exterior stitch um, around the opening of the vagina after a vaginal birth, um, under the assumption that adding this stitch to the rim of your vagina somehow makes the inside of your vagina tighter for your husband, and this can be done after an episiotomy. Um, say it for me. Episiotomy, or just because it's just In extreme um, uh, issues for women. So if you ever have a doctor try to tell you that he's going to do a husband stitch, you kick them in the face, or like in, the nuts. in the actual face, kick them in the face. The, uh, yeah, they, they, do, they do. They do tell some of them. Just, a lot of women, you're vulnerable. You because I've read stories about women who who've especially women who've had an episiotomy, the doctor will say something like, um, they'll say something benign, sounding benign, um, like, um, I'm, I'm sewing up from the episiotomy now, and we're going to throw a couple of extra stitches in to try to um, restore some of your the, the muscular tension or something. Make it sound benign when what they're doing is they're setting her up for a world of problems. So and now, my sister's doctor asked her if she wanted an extra stitch and she told him if he put an extra stitch in her vagina, that she would stick her foot up his ass. So don't make like ever tell women because they do. I mean, I'm sure there are women who have been in this position who got it and didn't know it, but it's not a hundred percent. This never happens. So those kinds of, um, I mean, if I, I, and because it happened, because it does happen, they don't tell, I would make sure I make sure that doctor understood completely. You will not do anything extra down there. And so you need to go into it saying, Hey, you were not allowed to do this so-called husband stitch. Um, and if it happens, I'm going to sue you until I'm living in your house. Oh, gross. <laughs> Quinny. <laughs> ah, yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Okay. Yeah, but my sister was asked twice with, with both of her last, um, with her last, with, with her two vaginal births, she was asked both times. And both times she said, absolutely not. Like, hell no, baby. Um, one was a man and one was a woman. Yes, Google can horrify you. Okay, so the point is research. 
you can research. If you don't know, if you don't have firsthand experience with something, you can research. But also, if you do have firsthand experience, nobody has experienced everything. Nobody. So, I mean, some of us have tried really hard. <laughs> <laughs> some of us have put our backs into it, but there's still things. <laughs> Listen, things I'm not biologically equipped to have happen have happened. But also, there are some things I wouldn't do on a bet. <laughs> There's that too. But usually, the things I wouldn't do on a bet, I'm not going to write about. So, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's well, I should say there's some things I wouldn't let people somebody do to me on a bet that I would do to somebody. But that's mostly there are certain acts that take place in erotica. Um, that don't have any play. Um, I mean, things like golden showers. Um, that's something that happens in erotica. Well, it, be grownups about this. It does. It happens in erotica. It is something, it's a kink for a lot of people, but it doesn't have any place in a traditional romance. Um, figging, I don't think, has... <laughs> Places of traditional I have, romance. I have, I have read it and be kind of a sensual thing, but it is that is like one time out of like a hundred that maybe less. It might be one time out of a thousand where you're kind of like, wow, that was really hot and sweet, oddly. But it's it's really it's it's yeah, it, it's pretty much. But a lot of but the thing is, but unless it's romantic BDSM, right? There's a lot of. There's a lot of things you can do. And that's a subgenre within itself that you that is that has a different set of rules or guidelines. It's not a guideline, we, really. Yeah, we almost need <laughs> it's more of a guideline. We really should do a whole separate podcast about BDSM sex though. So because that yeah. could be like a whole divergence that would take like you know two hours just talking about BDSM. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I saw a story the other day. Everything in the tags, and I almost missed the the tag that made me not click on the story, but everything in the tags made me think this was a romance. And then all of a sudden there's a tag. Well, there's two tags. One of them was golden showers. And the next one was surprise water sports. And I was like, surprise, (gasps) surprise. What does surprise mean? mean? Who is surprised? Golden shower is not my kink, but depending on the pairing, I, I might click on it just to see. But surprise water sports, that's a thousand percent no. <laughs> I don't no. honestly think there should be any surprises when it comes to sex because um surprise equals no consent. Yeah. I mean the next the next two tags were so and so didn't mean to, but so and so didn't mind. And I was like <sighs> my head hurts. I'm not clicking on that. That that to me is instant to me, I'd have to be in a total dumpster fire mood mood to click on that. <laughs> figure out what the hell is going on with those four tags. So, but if I, I almost missed the two that said like golden showers, surprise water sports, because the other two tags wouldn't have told me anything. Right. Yeah. So-and-so didn't mean to, so-and-so didn't mind. Hmm. So no, no, that's some things. That I mean, should honestly, precious few sex acts should be a surprise. Yeah, you really should. I mean, you can't. You sometimes you can't control when you actually come, so that could be a surprise. But well, I mean, you just you shouldn't be you shouldn't be fucking somebody in the ass. Surprise! That's rude. Um, <laughs> y'all need to quit googling. Uh, so, but your 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 characters. I mean, 
there should at least be some opportunity. I mean, the reality is a lot of times when you're in bed with somebody, stuff's kind of happening. And sometimes one partner goes a little bit too far. The other partner kind of goes, whoa. But usually it's like there's an overture and then the, you know, the other partner says, mm, no. So it's fine to write those overtures and then have one character go, no, nah, it doesn't really work for me or I don't want to have anal sex or, but to just do it. No, no, no. Um, that goes back to communication being sexy. Right. And I once had a conversation with somebody who said that she didn't like to have the condom conversation with her sex partners because it wasn't sexy. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? You know what else isn't sexy? STDs. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Sex STDs is not sexy. Um, but also, I mean, that's sort of making an assumption that he's going to put a rubber on because it's the right thing to do. Well, what if he's in you before you realize that he didn't do it? Right. So there are some there are some sex acts that I will say they do come up in 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 real life in with couples that hopefully have discussed it. One of them is um, somnophilia, which is having sex with someone who's asleep. This is a very this is this is a problematic gray area. So I'm just encouraging you to have if you're going to write that because. I, I have read stories where, and they were good, where like one character is waking up as like their partner is sliding into them, right? It can be very intimate. It can be very sexy, but they need to have discussed that. Yeah, that needs to be consent before sleep. Right. Like, because, hey, I'd like to wake you up with sex in the morning. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes, I mean, it can be, I've, 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 had, the, I've, had, I've had the experience, but I have, I've agreed to it ahead of time, right? Um, and I usually, you know, it's one of those things and you might still, you could still be in the situation where you wake up and it's happening and you ain't in the mood. It could still happen. Right. So you've got to have a partner who's not going to get upset if you say, whoa, get out of me. Um, but sometimes, cause it usually, it's not my experience with it is it's usually not just a case of, you know, they woke up and stuck their dick at you. There's usually some touching beforehand, the kind of slowly waking you up. And then you usually waking up around the time that stuff's getting busy. And that can be very intimate. It's something that shows a lot of trust, which is something, something you would see with couples who've been together for a long time. It still needs to be discussed. It still needs to be negotiated. And the way I often see it written in fan fiction, it is hitting my dubious consent button so hard. It's like, whoa. That needs to be discussed. I mean, the actual kink itself is not right fantasy, but often how it's written in fandom turns into it. Yeah. Now, I'm one of those people who actually doesn't sleep deep enough for that to ever actually happen. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> because but some of the pre stuff I can sleep through if I really trust a partner. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a really, really light sleeper. And I don't like to be touched in my sleep. So I wake up instantly when someone puts their hands on me. The not really part- a problem in my current relationship. I don't think he this that's not really his thing. The one partner I kind of had I what well, that kind of the one partner I had negotiated was that I trusted enough to do this with when we were together. Um one of the key aspects of this was I had to be obviously turned on enough before he got going for there to have been, you know, natural lubrication present. So the thing is, for me to have gotten that worked up in my sleep, I'm I'm kind of at least mostly I'm kind of drowsing, but mostly awake by the time he's getting into it. So if I was turned off, I'd have woken up and said, no, 
I rolled over and said no. But it's just kind of this half awake thing that can be really soft and unfun. Um, but it does require negotiation. We did have some very careful discussions about it. It was a kink of his. The few guys I've led on this train more than once. Um, so <laughs> it requires discussion. Can you it, just call yourself a train. <laughs> 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 I'm a whole train. It's not just just not just a single ride. Okay. Um but anyway, so it is something when you see that it is can be a very intimate thing. It can be very sexy. It can be very sensual. It requires discussion. It doesn't have to be in-depth discussion, but it it could even be you could even allude to the fact that they've had the discussion because you could say something like, let's say um um, Tony, they're getting ready for bed. Tony rolls over to Steve and he says, you know that thing you like sometimes in the morning when you just kind of wake me up perfectly? And Steve's like, yeah. And he's like, I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> it, could, it could allude to the fact that is, that is without having the, 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 you know, the negotiation discussion. You don't have to have that on the screen. But you can have this moment where it's clear that the consent is there. It's clear this has happened in a relationship before. It's clear they have clear boundaries around what this is. It's a sexy little thing. And then you can have this very central, intimate moment that happens in the morning that can be very good without triggering anybody's like, whoa, rate button. Because the way sometimes it's written, it's like, oh God, you know, and you don't want that. You don't want to throw your reader right out of the sexiness of the scene because all they can think about is the lack of consent. Uh, there's someone said in the chat room that there are countless fix of somebody waking somebody else up with a blowjob. That is somnophilia. It is often unmarked or untagged or unwarned for, but it is. Yeah. And, uh, and often in those cases, it isn't even discussed. Right. There's no discussion. There's the assumption that because they're two dudes, that the other dude is going to be perfectly fine. Wake them. And you could have a single thought in one of your characters' POV that this is something they love to do to each other and they love surprising the other one with it and they've talked about it before. It could be just a single line in it doesn't have to be an over you don't have to have an overt dis consent discussion, but you need to acknowledge that that consent was a part of this de this decision. Okay, someone says in the chat room that an established relationship that assumption is fine. No, it's not. An established relationship does not equal continuous consent period well blowjob I mean, is penetrative it's just the person the penetration is you know the mouth obviously but the, you know you they're <laughs> it thinking it's they, they think it only counts if it's the penetrator that's doing the act so but honestly somebody jumping on your dick and going for a ride that actually i i read a story once that had that um somebody was unconscious right unconscious had given no consent to have sex with this person. This person jumped on their dick, took him for a ride, and there's no rape warning. And I said something about it. I said, well, that's not rape. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So, um, yeah. People don't, I mean, obviously people have some ignorance around consent. And there is an element of it. If you're asleep, can you truly provide continuous consent? No, not really. But I will say, if it's something you've discussed and you're going to do this and you've given consent to it and your partner's going to back off if you tell them to stop, you've still negotiated the act in advance. So, um, anyway.
But I still would make the assumption that if a couple is in an established relationship that they had negotiated this kind of thing. Because I, I think you need to make it clear to the reader that the consent is there. And if one partner is asleep, it is not obvious that consent is present. But there, yeah, but there does need to be a reference to the discussion. Um, but most of the time in those wake up blowjob jobs in the in the fan, there's no discussion in the blue. Sometimes they're in established relationships, sometimes they're not, and there's just like literally no. You're just left to you're just left to. Okay, <laughs> what does that even mean? What does that blowjob mean? Because I think a lot of writers in the fandom don't treat consent seriously enough um, and often don't even acknowledge that continuous consent is a thing or, or that consent is something that can be withdrawn. Like even in the middle of a sex act, if you tell someone no, they are required to remove their dick from you. Otherwise it, it becomes something else no matter who they are. Yeah. It does not matter what is going on. And someone says no, it's over. Even if you are five seconds from having the best orgasm of your life, if your partner stops consenting in that moment and you do not stop, the consensual sex evaporates right there. And consent is sexy. And if you find that reading consent to be unsexy, See a psychologist? No, no, no. no. See a psychiatrist. Yeah, get med. Because <laughs> you need medication. <laughs> yeah. But I will say that there can be something very clinical about reading a discussion around consenting to an act. And you as a writer can overcome that. There are ways to make a consent discussion. I generally don't mind consent discussions, but depending upon how they're done, I can admit that sometimes, I will admit sometimes they throw the mood way off. And there are ways to prevent throwing the mood of your sex scene off. Um, and the thing is, I'm not saying that this is not an artifact that happens in real life. Sometimes it throws the tone of your sex, your sex act way off too. It's like, Okay, we got a little hot and heavy here for a second. We got to back off and we got to talk about some stuff. That happens in real life. It's it's a bummer on the mood. It's just, but that's just reality. It has to happen. However, in fiction, we have ways to circumvent things in real life just happen when they happen, right? Sometimes things have to throw things off in real life. You don't have to throw things off in your fiction. You can address it ahead of time. You can paraphrase the consent discussion. You don't have to do it all on screen. They sat down with a bottle of wine, you know, or maybe a glass, not a bottle. Maybe they sat down with a glass of wine and <laughs> talked about what they wanted to happen that night. And then, boom, go to bed. And then if nobody's objecting, the audience can assume everything that is happening is what they agreed to. I remember when I wrote um, that Harry, Hermione, BDSM fic on Rough Trade. What I forgot the title of my own damn fic. Which one? The the one where she just really wants a spanking and he follows her and finds her watching. No, the other one. Porn? Oh, the other one. The one with the dove. Um What what lovers do. Okay. Lovers do on Rough Trade. Um I in uh, there was a negotiation scene where they talked about things that had happened at the club and um they talked about um what they thought and what they might want um and i don't i think i might have ended the part right there without any sex maybe he spanked her and put her to bed 
Yeah. And I ended that part on rough trade right there. I got five emails from people complaining because there was no sex. And that I wasted my word count on negotiation. Wasted my word count on negotiation. Wasted your word count like you were limited? Well, we were that month. It was like 30K. <laughs> oh, what the fuck ever. <laughs> I was, I just, I, yeah, psychiatrist. We gotta Matter find fact, Nick. We gotta find Let me recommend one to you. He he works in Baltimore, right? We gotta find. Well, I said we gotta find an emoji that represents psychiatrist, but I guess we already have one. We already have one. <laughs> well, it's really strange if a knife and a fork are what represents a psychiatrist, but you know, it could be. But we'll just go with the eat your face emoji. Um, <laughs> Why Ursula? Because um, it's it's because it, then it sounds like zhuzh. I get I always find it hysterical. I have this friend who's talking about he's going to zhuzh my hair. I'm like, stop zhuzhing my hair. <laughs> so that's why it had to be a U name. I could have picked Uma, but Ursula is more entertaining. And yes, I know there are more U names than that, but I just find Ursula amusing. Also, <laughs> I had a very good friend in fandom named Ursula. So there. Um. But yeah, I mean, there are people who are um, kind of allergic to that consent conversation in fandom. It's like they don't want to be committed of, of consent. And I'm like, don't don't read my work. Because I think one of the main, I mean, I focus a lot of attention on consent, on body autonomy. Um, and if you don't want to read that, then don't read my work. I mean, it's that simple. I'm not going to change what I write to suit you i do find i would say from a right just from a entertainment perspective from the perspective of being entertained i do find consent discussions in bdsm or kink to have more entertainment potential and I'll, I'll tell you what it's because they can be hot they can be funny but they can have the opportunity in that context to tell you a lot about what kind of dom that is, what kind of submissive that is, mm -hmm. about what that relationship's going to look like. And it can give a lot of insight into the way that relationship's going to be. Um, it's characterization, it's world building. Right. So it's it's a little bit, for me, it's a little bit different when it's just characters negotiating, you know, fucking. That can get very kind of, eh. sometimes, but sometimes it really does serve a good purpose. But like the whole drawn out conversation can be kind of a pace killer. So just from a writing mechanics perspective, I usually gloss over that kind of thing. Um, and I zoom in on the specifics where it's something important. Um, like in DeNovo, I did have um, a little bit more of a discussion about it than I do in most stories because I wanted to make it clear why Ian doesn't bottom in terms of accepting anal penetration. Um, because normally I tell people, assume both partners in, in a slash pairing are both getting it. Just assume it. But it, I was just writing something different. I decided I was going to write a character that just had a sensitive prostate because some men do. And it was just how I decided to handle him in that story. Um, but the other side of it is uh, there, there are men who have a really sensitive prostate who only bottom. <laughs> well, there's that, which is Tony. So, I mean... <laughs> Um, but so, no, it, and there is a difference. Yes, he finds between it unpleasant. being like sensitive and uh, so, so sensitive that it hurts. Right, and the thing is, and also because 
I wanted to show Ian was uptight about it. Like he was worried about revealing it because it had been an obstacle in the past that he had to tell potential sex partners, no, I won't let you fuck me. Um, well, for some people, it would be a deal breaker. Right. So he was, he was, he was tense. He, he was a little bit neurotic about it. So he was worried about revealing that to Tony and being rejected over it. So it was him being vulnerable too. So I like the kind of the juxtaposition of somebody saying being vulnerable while saying you can't fuck me. <laughs> yeah. So it, it all depends on how you handle it. But I, 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 I can understand that just a dry clinical, okay, we're going to have sex. Um, we should talk about what you're allowed to do to me and what I'm allowed to do to you. If it's just handled very clinically, it can be, it can really mess with the pace of the story. It can really throw you out. But still, I would encourage you as a reader to be patient with that because the author is doing something important. But as an author, I would encourage you to try to find ways to bring those discussions into your story in a way that don't affect your pace and aren't quite so clinical because I've honestly, the only time I've ever had a clinical sex discussion, it was seen to be that way. Just saying. Clinical yeah. consent conversation. In, um, in Hold My Coffee, Meredith let, they had the condom conversation when they packed for Canada. Because she said, I packed condoms. And he's like, so did I. <laughs> and then again, they had it later when they were talking about birth control. And she said that she had um, an implant, and but made it clear that she wasn't ready to stop using condoms. And he said, I'm fine with that. I always use condoms with my, you know, I'm, I'm just, I've, I've never gone without. It's not a big deal. And it was just like this casual thing they were doing while they, while she was packing. So again, it was around packing. Um, so it was never something that they, like they sat down and had a specific condom conversation and working that way in working those kinds of topics into, um, conversation, um, outside of sex, I think usually works better. Yeah. I mean, I have to have the, I'm allergic to latex conversation with sex partners of either gender. Um, it's an issue. Which I imagine for some sex partners would be a deal breaker. Because some condom, like like some condoms, aren't as effective on um, latex. Yeah, fortunately, might when not I was, be willing. fortunately when I was still banging men, I hadn't didn't have my allergy yet. So, um, but you know, I have to have that because most mo I was most of the women I have had sex with are barrier protection that they have on hand is usually latex. So it's a mm -hmm. part of the discussion we have to have, right? Is that I'm allergic to it now. So. Um, Adults have these conversations. They're able to have these conversations. It's usually not a sit down and have a serious moment about it. You just talk about it. You say, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm allergic to latex, so I packed the barrier protection. Don't worry about it. You don't need to bring anything. Although I had one idiot said, oh, well, okay. So, I, But I could bring it for when, you, for when you're doing me. And I'm like, I think you're missing the point about the allergy part of this. It doesn't uh, matter which one of us are. It doesn't matter whether it's... My pussy or my mouth. <laughs> no latex. I can't have any latex near any of this. None of this. <laughs> are you Times are definitely I think there was a little bit. Of, I think there's a little bit of slut comment there. Are you, you slut? Was, are you calling me a slut, Dark? <laughs> was she, is she slut shaming you? I'm not sure she's shaming me. She had a lot of medical interventions, and she, maybe it was latex gloves that caused although her not, latex. Not as, not as many as from sex, but. She could 
<laughs> I'm trying to back you up. I'm she could have your back. She could be slut appreciating me instead of slut shaming me, but there okay, might be okay. there's still a little slut a slut there. Look, those of us who are sexually active have to make up for those of you who are not. I'm doing We're my just part. getting our share. <laughs> We're just making sure that the that the world quota of orgasms does not fall short. That's right. Because <laughs> you're not doing your part. And when they say I'm the kidding, average I'm person has has X number of X number of sexual partners in their life, I'm I'm cover I'm I got your back, my friends, my ace <laughs> friends. I got your back. I'm I'm covering for you so our stats don't fall. Right. <laughs> Me too. Actually, I've done my not anymore, but you know when I was younger. I've done my duty. I've discharged out of the service. Okay. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> anything for you, Dark? <laughs> but, okay. So, whenever you think that there's a topic that is like not hot, stop and think about why is it not hot, you know? And if you really don't want to put a consent conversation, whether it's about birth control or whether it's about, barrier protection or about it's just whatever if you don't want to do it near the sex because it's throwing the vibe off then do it way away from the sex i mean the idea that a consent conversation has to happen right before people fall into bed is just a little outdated it's very 80s romance we need to move on it's also um immature it is immature to have a problem with a consent conversation and honestly, if you can't have a consent conversation in fiction, how are you doing it in real life? And mature enough to have a conversation about consent and birth control and condoms, you're not mature enough to have sex. <laughs> I'm an old lady. I'm putting it out there. If you're not old enough to talk about it, you're not old enough to do it. Yeah. And Kaya just pointed out three very powerful words as they discussed. You don't actually have to have the discussion. As they discussed covers you nicely. The lawyers have chimed in on this. You're set. <laughs> um, as so outlined in my email. <laughs> <laughs> per my previous email, which is office speak for bitch you can't read. <laughs> I'm going to throw out another way to have sexy consent conversations, okay? Phone sex. Two phone characters. Sex. Phone sex is a way for two characters to kind of, or even just talking about a sex fantasy, right? And one character goes, oh, I'm all in on that. Um, I did this a little, there's a tiny bit of this in um, Demons where... Tony asked Dom to say, what would you do? And Dom says, this is what I do. And he's super graphic about this, what to do to you. Tony's like, I'm all in on all of that. Please do it all. Now, Dom doesn't get to all of it. And so Tony insists he make up for the stuff that he didn't get to later. Um, that is a way you can relaying of a fantasy. Like, this is what I'd like to do to you. And, you know, that is one way. If one part, if one, you don't even have to have a negative. It doesn't have to be any no involved. One partner could say, this is what I do. And the other partner could go, I'm all in on that. That is in its way, a consent conversation. The reader will pick up on it, even if you don't frame it that way. And also phone sex. Phone sex is another way to do kind of a little bit back and forth, characters teasing each other. You know, one of them could say, um, 
And then I run my tongue around the shell of your ear. And the other one goes, not unless you want me to giggle. You know. <laughs> okay, really? no ears. How's your but neck? My ears. neck is great. Just just mark it up as much as you want. Okay, neck it is. You know, it can be a little bit amusing, a little bit sexy, a little bit fun. It doesn't have to be very long. And you can show that they have discussed consent. They've discussed sex. They've discussed what they want to do. Um, okay, so we've talked about some of the good things to do in romantic sex. We've talked about... Let's talk about some of the things to, we've talked about some of the things, a few of the things to never do. Let's talk about some of the things to never write in sex. We never said use food products as lube. Well, um, maybe. Olive oil, olive oil, yes. Whipped cream, no. Yes. Because sometimes, I mean, realistically, depending upon what era you're writing in, you may have no choice but I mean, to use oil. If you're you if you're using historical if you're doing a historical stick with oil and cream as your words and don't get into their origin, just just skip it's over just it. oil yeah don't focus on whether it's oil or olive or vegetable just doesn't matter just oil um just oil um no not the what can be used as lube is a different kind of discussion and it can get very cracky so we won't go too far but, down that path. I mean, don't use actual little literally don't use literal gun oil. There's gun brand of lubrication, and then there's literal gun oil. Do not put gun oil in a human being. <laughs> no, you use actual. The the brand actually the the gun oil brand is actually great lube. Yeah, it is. I agree. Great lube, but the actual um, gun oil is not. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it does get tacky. Some tips for you folks, but um, don't use. But silicone. using these kinds of things in your romantic sex scenes can throw your reader out because they're like, why the fuck is this person putting margarine in this? <laughs> right but the thing is if you're using if you're if you're writing historical you have no choice but to use oil basically right um or some kind and, of cream and but, olive oil was i think used as a lubrication for many 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 hundreds of years yes. but you don't have to deal through air issue of barrier protection i actually don't have a problem with people in a more contemporary settings using oil but don't have them put on a condom and then use oil because the condom is going to disintegrate and end up in the person that's being penetrated. That's not also, a fun doctor visit. I've had it. No. <laughs> also, don't use silicon lube with silicon toys. No. They might just bond together. Um, and actually, if you don't know a lot about lube, in general, just say just lube. stick with the word lube. Just lube. Don't get specific. And definitely don't... Also, I think the actual discussion of like lube brands moved um, into porn and erotica over romance. It also can feel a little bit like you're, I don't know, like you did, lube, the audience. you did lube research and you feel like you need to share it. I mean, like we all know the the, the, the big brands. There's KY, there's Gunnel, there's um, Sliquid. Um, um, oh, Boy Butter. Astroglide. Astroglide is um, terrible lube. Terrible. Terrible. It gets really sticky. Yeah. Um, but just use the word lube because it gets... You're going to throw your reader out and it's, it's going to start to sound like porn instead of something romantic. Do you want to have a discussion about what kind of words they can say during sex? Yes. This is, but this bears... Anytime we talk about sex, this is going to come up. Your character should never... Ever. I don't care what kind of sex they're having. They don't say shit. Ever. Ever. 
do a search for it. You should be honestly, you should be doing a I'm gonna tell you why. When you finish your story, you should be chain you should be searching for the word shit. And if they <laughs> use it appropriately outside of a sex scene, it can stay. But do you know how many words could accidentally be written shit when you meant something else? You don't want somebody taking off their shit when their shit was their shirt. <laughs> I've had this typo. I've had the taking off their shit typo. I've had dragons <laughs> that <laughs> needed to shit <laughs> when they should have been shifting. You know, it should have been a shift. You need to. You're hurting me. <laughs> You need to search for this word because this typo can throw your reader right out. But in a sex scene, even when you're using it correctly as a as an expletive, as an expletive, if you use it at the wrong moment, it's terrible. It's oh terrible. my god! I'm going to sh shit. No, no, you. That's the wrong, <laughs> wrong moment. That can't even be sexy anywhere at any point at any time. Yes, and you don't want to write that somebody shit on somebody's face instead of sit on his face. It's just you don't want to write a character wearing somebody's shit instead of wearing somebody's shirt, right? He put on he put on you know Steve's shit. You did what? <laughs> he threw his shit at him. Did you now? So it's just it's it's really important. And there I've seen it so many times when. The worst using shit as an expletive during a sex scene immediately made you think of actual shitting. So just don't, don't use it. Honestly, if someone said that to me in bed, I would probably go, What? What? <laughs> right. What? 80. Right. That's like the worst example yet of where shit, shit happened when it, somebody meant shirt. <laughs> he loved the smell of stuff. I can't say it. Well, we'll just tell you guys that what she, what he meant was he loved the smell of Steve's shirt. So if it's got a typo, <laughs> oh god. Also, y'all, um, y'all. So speaking of funny typos, before I forget, because this has nothing to do with this discussion, but the funniest typo that I've seen in my own work, and I'm glad I caught it before y'all saw it, was in Slytherin Black, where I <laughs> said instead of Death Eater, it was Death Dater. <laughs> <laughs> I almost fell out of my chair. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> he was looking for that death dater. <laughs> so, um, also be careful a little bit about waste and waste. Because there's a lot of waste touching in sex. There's a lot of waste touching in intimate moments. There's a lot of waste touching when you're putting on your belt. Be careful it's not spelled W-A-S-T-E. Because mm. touching someone's waist okay. is just appalling. Come and come. C O M E and C U M. Um, he wanted to come. C O M E. He had come on his shirt. C U M. No. C O M E. No. Oh, he had. Oh, it well, depends upon how you mean it. Well, he had the physical come on his shirt. <laughs> The stuff is C-U-M. The yeah. action or the thing that happens is C-U-M-E. But that sentence she gave, you could put either word in it, and the sentence makes sense. <laughs> come as an action and, and, and come as a mess, yes. 
Yes. Um, we've talked about, there's absolutely no reason ever um, in a Coming to be C-O-M-I-N-G. Yeah. That's an know. action. Yeah. But C-U-M is the, um, is the substance. Yes. Cologne, not a colon. We don't need to smell someone's colon. Like, if you would say he came in his shirt, he had come on his shirt. Either way, it could be. You could he had it. Steve's come on his shirt. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, the shirt. <laughs> make sure it's shirt, not shit. Because, yeah, <laughs> because that only gets worse. It only gets worse. The, the shirt, it only gets worse. Be careful. I mean, seriously, it's just an editing note. When you're done, search for the word shit. Look for it. Make sure that all of your shits are intentional. I mean, honestly, try now. That's a really good one, too. Bowel and bowl. I mean. Mm. You got to watch that one, too. Yeah. If there there are some word, some word duos, words that are very similar, that can get screwed up. And they can throw the reader right out of the scene. And in sex scenes, that can be really just, just totally ruin it. It's not recoverable, that sex scene. Once somebody's thrown out in this way. Um, <laughs> he's in the bell. <laughs> You're a little, it's a little, it's a little. Don't get me started on withering and writhing. The next person that withers in a sex scene, I'm going to lose my mind. Did you see that image about the wanton and the wanton? Yes. No one should be, <laughs> no one should be moaning like a chatty stumbling. <laughs> right. So there's some words you've got to get right. You got to get wanton and wanton. Honestly, dominate and dominant, just because more so than anything, is because it's it just makes you look like you don't know what the word is. There's really no those words are not that close. So and it's it's not like it's word confusion. To call someone a dominate is is come on now. <laughs> I've seen this typo in people's summary, and I'm like, I'm not reading that. There's gonna be a whole <laughs> that whole story is gonna be rife with. The dominate male, and I can't deal with it. <laughs> um, so you just got to be careful with like words that are very similar that can throw your reader out of the sex scene. And some of them are worth having on a little list where you do a search for the one that's a problematic side for you. So bowl is probably not a problem word, but you might want to search for bowel. Um, prostate and prostrate. Um, sometimes that can be like an autocorrect in, in Word. So you need to look for it if you use it. Yeah, um, yeah. if you're using prostate, just always search for, for prostrate because very few people who write sex scenes have a lot of reason to be writing the word prostrate. They're going to write prostate way more than they do prostrate. I mean, I probably honestly never use the word prostrate on purpose. <laughs> um, it's I, not I, a word I would I've use. used it. It's just not a word I'd probably use. I've used it, but it, it's just not happen. Doesn't happen all that that often. But anything you don't want, I mean, t honestly, turn off autocorrect in your word processor. It's just a ridiculous. You shouldn't be bottoming to your word processor. Don't let it <laughs> dominate you, <laughs> or dominate you, <laughs> or dominate you. Don't let it do anything to you. You shouldn't be bottoming to your word processor. So turn off autocorrect. It's just craziness. Um. <laughs> Oh, Reaper. Um, if you feel an urge to write BDSM, we can do another podcast about BDSM. But 
if you you need to learn the terminology, you need to learn it. You need to do some research if you don't know anything about it, because you could take a sex scene that could have been good, and it can just become crazy cakes if the BDSM mechanics are are really wrong. True, you could turn your BDSM into crack, um, but there are a lot of good there are a lot of good resources for in this day and age for writing. Or just learning about BDSM or gay sex or whatever, just sex in general. There's a lot of really great resources for learning about sex. Um, you have to take my word for it or Kira's word for it or anybody's word for it. So just Google if you don't know. If anybody has any questions, um, drop them in the ask a question. We'll try to take or if it you want to ask a question that you don't want to ask in public, you can hit me in private. Yeah, that too. Can you guys hear my neighbors voodooing? I don't hear anything. Reaper can hear it? Okay. Yeah. I just, I just turned my volume way up and I don't hear anything. Oh. There's drums and... I do hear the drums. Singing. There's a There's a festival of... I can't pronounce the word. It happens in mid-February, so I guess they're doing their mid-February celebration. President's Day? No, I'm kidding. Mm -hmm. um, bulk, it could be. Is it in bulk more of a on the pagan calendar? It's um, sometime in February or March, the Festival of Albalada and Ashan. Yeah, that sounds more like the thing. Um... No, February 2nd was the Feast of, of Oya. They did that too. <clears throat> ah. Um, but they do tend to be following a, um, a, vood a Vudan, Vudan ca um, calendar. So. Um, okay, so did it, I, I'm, I'm not seeing any questions in the thing. No, me neither. No. Um, I didn't get any questions unless somebody's typing and I haven't. I'll kick somebody's ass. Why are we on peeps again? I'll kick somebody's ass for um, a Reese's Easter egg right now. Yeah, me too. Or just really any peanut butter or chocolate or or sugar. I don't care. I'm I'm not fussy at this point. Except I don't want any peeps. I, Kit Kat does not need a lemon flavor. What? The, that is that is terribleness. I've had lemon flavor crisp wafers, but I wouldn't call it a Kit Kat. Does it still have chocolate on it? No. But I just, it doesn't need to be a Kit Kat. I mean, that's just... Anyway, um, so did we miss anything about writing? What what was our podcast topic? I feel like that I'm missing something in our topic. Writing sex in romance. Specifically in romance. Uh, um, I guess what I would say in the end is that... Um, have I think deeply romantic connections come through communication and honesty mm -hmm. and that communication and honesty should follow your characters through each part of their relationship um, from the beginning to the sex to the, I mean just it it should be everywhere I will say, I will say you can have very good romantic intimate sex that is vague you can have very good romantic intimate sex that is explicit. I'm not sure I can 
to me, you can't have very good romantic intimate sex that is full of purple prose. Um, purple prose is a whole other right, thing. Right. If, if I'm giggling, I, I can't take you seriously. Yeah. Um, I mean, if he sheathed this sword in her seeping southern slit, <laughs> I just I can't with you. I can't yeah, with you. I read that. Don't, I read that. Don't call the penis a weapon. I read that in public. <laughs> I read that in published fiction. Um, I can't even. But the thing is, you can if that's your jam and you really want to write purple prose, fine. But the thing is, it's not romantic and intimate. It's 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 its own it's crack. Thing. It's it crack. is. Yeah, honestly, yeah, it is. It's cracky because it's just. You you can actually there's a difference between euphemisms and purple prose. You can be euphemistic and often in vague sex, vague sen sensual sex, you are a little bit euphemistic. But just be careful about the level of euphemism because some euphemisms aren't purple prose, but they're off-putting. Um, I find his hardness off-putting personally. Um, Things like I that. Think emotional intimacy is the line between porn and romance, but there's also, I mean, erotic romance is far more explicit than in just like a regular sensual romance. Um, and there is um, erotica, um, which can sometimes be romantic, but it's often very sexually explicit. Um, and some 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 erotica is purple prose. It's just the issue when. It, when it's erotica, there's no the sex is the sex is the driving force in the story, regardless of level of explicitness. So, but in a romance novel, you should be able to pull out the actual sex and still have a romance and still have a story. It should still be a romance without the sex, and if it's not, then you've written erotica, which is which fine. Is fine, yeah, but stop the discussion. Yeah. So when you're writing. Um, when you're writing and you need to choose the kind of language, you have to think about the kind of language you want to use. You can be explicit and not use cock and cunt. Um, but cock and cunt, would I would say, would be the, the furthest end of explicit. There's, there's a range between implying what's happening and using the double Cs, okay? But there's also a point of mechanics that gets monotonous, even in erotica. I don't actually need to know how many thrusts have taken place between penetration and completion. Yeah. In I've erotica or in romantic sex. I don't need to know that. No. I've read 7,000 word sex scenes in erotica. And that's because I would rather read more short sex scenes than one really just long sex scene. Because it's just, you have to put in a lot of detail. A lot of thrust, 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 in order to fill up 7,000 words for one sex scene. That's ridiculous. Um, but what you, what you can't, the other thing you need to be careful of is when you're trying, working on your level of specificity or not, Never. there's no point in ever talking about left or right anything. Because the minute you start talking about what the left hand did or what the right hand did, um, you then have to keep Can track. You differentiate between the two hands. Say his free hand, right? His clean his, hand. His, <laughs> actually, I don't like his clean hand because that makes me think about what's going on with the other hand. Well, usually it's covered in lube in my mind, but <laughs> or it just, well, if it just came out of somebody's Dry. ass, if it just came it's, out of somebody's ass, it that might not be the issue. And I don't want to think about it. His dry hand. <laughs> his just his better? other his other hand. 
His other hand. Other hand. Um, so let's see. Um, so remind me, we, after we talk about this part, we need to talk about the cleanup. Um, I got to pick on somebody, though, just for a second. I'm, I'm going to pick on you, um, Queenie. And I, th- and I, 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 I see you've already changed it, and this is actually really good. So Queenie has a sentence in the chat room. It, it originally said, Eli gazed upon the beautiful cock with greedy abandon, abandon. That is depersonalization, a depersonalization, the beautiful cock. It's objectification. She changed it to say, Eli gazed upon, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this. Eli gazed upon his man bear's beautiful cock with greedy abandon. I said that without laughing. I'm impressed. I should get a sticker. I'm impressed that Queenie Queenie caught caught it so quickly. She changed it almost right away. Yeah, I mean, I know, but it's just it's it's really interesting. It's a good change. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's actually terrible. I mean, I love you, girl, but come on now. Um, you you made me say man bears cock on the on the podcast, but that does speak to demon. It speaks to objectification um, that you don't want to have in your romantic fiction that you might choose to have in erotica. Um, so great example, thank you. Speaking of language, if you're writing, unless you're writing BDSM or Daddy King, there is no excuse ever to refer to one of your part parent partners as the boy or the girl. Ever. The boy. And if one of the characters is younger, quite a bit younger, it really, and you're not writing Daddy King, it really shows that his age is being objectified. And if your character is underage by even six fucking months, calling them the boy reflects how that your POV character is the older character. Um, that says a lot in Derek Stiles stories, folks. And it happens so much. I'm not picking on anybody. I think y'all have absorbed it from each other and just perpetuated it. Derek thinking of Stiles as the boy reads like he's fetishizing Stiles as his younger age. And it also reminds but the when reader Hannibal of his does it to Will, that's just daddy kink right there because Will's a grown man. Right. So, be- so you know, Hannibal can call Will Graham his sweet boy and it's hot. But when 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 Derek does it to Styles, it's gross. His sweet boy in certain contexts. If 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 Hannibal gets up and he's making dinner and he says, you know, the boy walked in and put his and, and you know, his bag down and you're not and it's not a BDSM story Mm-mm. where he's like his boy, which is sort of a position thing kind of like pet. His pet. Term. Yeah. Don't don't it really says negative things about how the boy the girl that's got to go 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 away um it's it's weird it's ugly but as a term of endearment you know sweet boy could be cute could be sweet could be hot he's not turning will into an object it's not fetishizing him being underage or he's not fetishizing an age difference which is can have really creepy vibes. So just be careful about that language. Yeah, and considering Derek's history, that prevalence of the boy came walked into the into the loft and did this and that. It is creepy as fuck considering Derek's history. So y'all be careful. Um so language I mean considering Styles' personality, why isn't he being like called that little sarcastic shit? <laughs> 
That little asshole was back at my house again. Right? That human kid won't leave. The little asshole walked in the loft and put his bag down, <laughs> messing up Derek's careful arrangement. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> and of all the terms they could have picked, why was boy the one? Obviously, is obviously it's it's fetish, it's fetish behavior. So just be careful about that. Um, so avoid. So covered avoid left and right avoid being super specific about where the body parts going there's some things you need to explain yes but when you start keeping track of where all the limbs are placed during he did this with his right knee and this with his left knee people then start trying to visualize and if you screw up and you will because that's the way that goes they're gonna go wait a minute are they fucking up? A, third arm, a third arm during this scene? Are they fucking out? Of the, you know, they fucking like head to head, like a, like literally one top of one person's head against the top of the other person's <laughs> head. I don't understand what's <laughs> happening here. Um, yeah, don't keep don't don't count dicks, don't count body parts. Okay, clean up. Stop tying off condoms. No, seriously, stop it. Um, it's not a thing. Not a thing. Um, all I have to tell me that tell me that they. They knew a guy had done it once, tied off a condom, and I was like, "For what?" Because they said because he didn't want to put get semen on the carpet, and I was like, "Ooh!" So he's just dropping the used condom on the floor. Like, yeah, I'm like, gross. Oh, that's more appalling than tying off the condom, actually. And honestly, would you? I mean, I just, the, the 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 logistics kill me because honestly, I think in the act of tying off the condom, you'd probably spoke semen everywhere, <laughs> right? Not so much, it's so slippery. How do you not like slingshot it across the room? Because <laughs> that's hot. I'm sorry, but it is. I mean, a used condom is a slippery little fucker. So the shirt thing, I can see the shirt thing is going to persist. I mean, personally, I'd be mortally offended if someone cleaned up after sex with one of my shirts. I always kind of just shake my head, honestly, when I see somebody grabbing. Although I've done it, I have absolutely had a character grab another one's shirt and clean up after sex with it. Usually not their own shirt, though. I usually make a point of that. Um, hear the voice of experience there, boo. Um, <laughs> I, I've never seen... Comes not acid. It, it can't destroy anything by being on it. I mean, I'm just saying, the blanket won't be ruined. The sheets won't be ruined. The shirt's not ruined. The sheet, the, the shit could be ruined. I don't know. But the shirt's fine. It'll just go in the washing machine. It'll be. Well, okay. The sheets issue, aren't not a thing. Well, the issue with, with, with semen, like, like any other thing that's got protein in it is if you've got something with protein staining something, you have to wash it in cold water. Otherwise you can set the proteins into the fabric. But you know, if your characters don't wash, wait, stop washing these, your cum stained sh shirts in hot water and you're good. You're golden. I mean, you know, if blood products are involved, you could ruin your sheets, but semen isn't going to ruin your sheets. You might stain them, though, if you wash them in hot water. But just wash I mean, if something has got come on it, wash it in cold water. Move on. It's a protein in it. Yes, there's the protein. The only thing I wash in hot water is my towels. I don't wash anything in hot water. I, I use laundry additives for... I do, wash yeah. hot, I do wash my towels in hot water. Especially my kitchen towels. I mean, I'm just... It's just a thing. Hot but water anyway. But anyway, I mean, usually... 
most people who have sex on a regular basis keep towels by the bed. I mean, yes, spontaneous sex where you you're not in a, the first time you've had sex. Neither one of you have sex supplies nearby. What you you might use a shirt, but on a regular basis, no. People who who are banging on a regular basis at home, they're going to have towels in the bedside table. It's just that's just the way that works. Clothing gets ruined if it's torn. Right. So the thing is, it's just, it's just be careful about some of the choices you make. Like I said, you might be using your own clothes, your your own clothes, not your own clothing, but the characters might be using their own clothing to clean up for sex in a car. They may not have anything else, but at home where they have sex all the time, they should have a hand towel or two, right? Or something, you know, people who have sex on a regular basis work this stuff out. They're not always unprepared for sex. Um, and also, also well, I it's not something that often comes up as a using condoms. And even if they are using condoms, if, um, there's a lot of lube involved or if there's a woman with a, you know, really great um, lubrication, you know, self-lubrication process going on. There's, there's going to be a wet spot. Yes. Yes. One of them, most people don't like, if you've got two men fucking, you usually don't wear a condom if you're getting fucked. So there's going to be a mess. There's going to be um, a mess. But I'm going to say this. I've said it before, folks, and this is my favorite. This is my favorite thing. I said it before, and I'll say it again because I'll keep saying some of these things. No one has ever lost any skin to dried cum. <laughs> Stop it, or hair, for that matter. It's not super glue. <laughs> we promise. We better separate quickly before we get glued together. No, and honestly, the more close, that's not are, a thing. The more closely you are pressed together, if you truly are pressed, like belly to belly. And no air is getting in. That cum ain't drying. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think dries cum, right? Air. <laughs> it's also not going to get cold if you're both pressed together. Skin. Come on now. Skin. Yeah, I've read stories where the characters, they, they woke up in the morning still pressed together. And when they pulled apart, they were bleeding. Bleeding. <sighs> My suspension of disbelief committed suicide. Only if one, only if one of those motherfuckers is half xenomorph. Only if one of their cum, one of their, one of them was a different species, and their cum isn't cum. It's glue, apparently. <laughs> it's glue. Um, let's see. There's a lot of there's a lot of bizarre inaccuracies around semen, more so than there are uh, inaccuracies around vaginal secretions. I don't see quite so many inaccuracies. I mean, there's some. There's some people who are like. I've seen inaccuracies more about lack of understanding women's bodies. Like I've seen in stories that she obviously wasn't into him because she didn't. She wasn't wet. Um, that's not the way that works. Women don't produce enough natural lubrication. Um, some women do gush like a river, but it's not. It's certainly not as common as. Um, and also, it depends on the time of the month, what medications she's taking. Birth control made me a desert. Oh my god! So there are some inaccuracies, but actually the inaccuracies are not so much about the nature of women's vaginal secretions. It's more of a lack of understanding with women's bodies and the fact that sometimes arousal doesn't have a lot to do with what happens. With how turned on a woman on, I mean, with with how wet a woman is, if she, so you can be very aroused and and not have produced enough lubrication, that's just that's just biology. 
it's the same thing. Honestly, the same thing with men about, you know, a man can be turned on and actually not get erect. But we tended to be more open as a society in discussing erectile dysfunction and treating it than we do in talking about women's issues with um, producing adequate lubrication or just anything related to women's sexuality tends to be under-discussed. Um, don't get me started on the V wars. I'm still bitter about it, Dark. <sighs> the vagina versus the vulva. It's just so ridiculous because the vagina's internal. I, I, it just it is. Just we, is. We shouldn't have to accept that vagina colloquially can mean anything between your legs. It's this just dumb. we shouldn't have to accept that, but apparently we do. Because I've been told to shut up and get off that high horse. But I don't. Whatever. I don't have to accept it. I'm not. I'm. I, and, I'm and I'm not gonna fuck them. Fuck it. Anyways. Can we, can we talk about, let's talk about cleanup when it comes to semen. Here's something about semen. If you're not using a condom, whatever orifice it's gone up into, a lot of it's going to come back out. This is not something I want to read about. I know. No. I know. I know that when two men have anal sex and they don't use a condom and one of them comes in the other's ass, that that semen's going to come out of that ass. I know. Because I've got an ass and I've got a vagina and I'm in of them. I don't want to read about it. Just fade to black, folks. Just fade to black. I mean, we don't need to read about all of the gritty reality of what happens when people have sex. We get it. Because honestly, when people people tend to get some of the most bizarre things wrong. Right? Like they'll get that right. The cum's got to come out. Right? But then they'll have a guy not using condom to fuck a woman in the ass so that she doesn't get pregnant excuse me that doesn't work that way because it the thing is as kira said it comes out guess what happens when it comes out it's it's not a baby panda it isn't gonna crawl up it <laughs> or a kangaroo it's not a kangaroo i mean you can get actually you can get um pregnant from intercural sex you can get pregnant it's not safe sex just because it's not in the vagina but that's rare it's but it rare can, but it can happen it actually happens you if you want to get pregnant huh i said don't let anybody come on you right i mean <laughs> it's a rule of thumb if somebody comes on your tits you're not going to get pregnant from that okay right but if somebody comes Again, on you they're not a kangaroo yeah. if someone comes on you pretty much anywhere near your vagina anywhere near and there's nothing closer Sperm pretty much move it can move it can get in you it can happen because they can trap there's the vaginal secretions if you're if it's just dry skin no it's not going anywhere but vaginal secretions provide an environment for it to swim in yeah three days or seven days i think sperm is alive for seven days so you just gotta be careful about just don't don't put don't don't get so wrapped around the axle about your accuracy about Eight, eight, semen has to come out and then just completely blow your accuracy somewhere else if you're gonna you know just well i have to say that because it's accurate well um so, so is the fact and that your also pregnant if you're writing to a man and a woman having sex and the man's penis is china if don't use the word womb because if the penis is entering the womb that means that they have ruptured the cervix. 
because the cervix does not allow that. The cervix shifts and moves with your um, with your cycle, and but the cervix does not dilate that way. And if the penis is in the womb, that woman is in an excruciating amount of pain and needs to go to the doctor. Here's the thing. Any woman who's had a pap smear will tell you that even having a cotton swab, swab scraped across your cervix is uncomfortable at best. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's just the only way no, no, could, no. how how does that even I mean I guess if they don't have a cervix maybe but the only way well but if somebody doesn't have a cervix that's, that's, all, been, a that's all been closed off right they only would remove the cervix if they're doing a a, a, a hysterectomy. hysterectomy in which case right. they aren't going to just leave a gaping hole that doesn't make any sense so the only way that you could possibly have this scenario occur is if you're character's about to give birth in which case you've written something way worse right <laughs> if she's that's just so unfortunate so unfortunate um <laughs> boo you're already in the thin bin <laughs> Jesus, boo. you're never getting out <laughs> yeah lily says size fantasy plus someone who doesn't know anatomy equals this trope yeah. Um, See, here's the thing. I have had some exceptionally large dick in my past. I mean, I, see that hill? Climb that hill. See that mountain? Hell yes. Climb that mountain. And I have never had a man try to get up in my womb. It's just not possible. No, I mean, cervix once. This is why a man but bounces But I was having off. a really, really good time. This is why a man bounces off your cervix, not goes in your cervix because it's not right. possible. I, right. I find the cervix bouncing be particularly unpleasant. I'd rather have an 18-incher in my butt than I would I mean, vagina because I mean, no. He was probably every bit of 11 and a half inches. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, the thing was, is the reason I knew my cervix was bruised is because I had to go to the gynecologist because um, I kept the condom and the condom slipped behind my cervix and, and, and was in my womb. So she had to and get it out. Because when you're coming, the cervix flexes so that it can suck semen into your womb. It's like a little flex. Well, it flexed and got the condom. Oops. <laughs> she had to explain it to me. I was like, well, how did it get back? Because <laughs> I was freaking the fuck out. And she explained to me that the cervix flexes and kind of sucks so that it can bring semen into the womb, which makes sense. The body, the, the human body is quite cool, guys. But the only thing it could, it, it, it got the condom. And she said, you must have had one hell of an orgasm. I said, I did. <laughs> it was great. I I said, my feet cramped up. <laughs> now, now get that condom. Get it out. Uh, but the really, just for, for your reference, if you call your gynecologist and say, hey, I've got a condom. I lost a condom. They will get you in that day. <laughs> That's like an emergency thing because you don't want to leave anything in your vagina like that. So no. if you lose a, um, if, you, if you lose your diaphragm, if you lose a condom, if you lose a tampon, um, don't 
call your doctor. They, they will get you in that day to take care of you because that, because that can be very dangerous to leave something like that in your body. So just, you know, FYI. So when it comes to wrapping, I find sometimes I, if I can read a really good sex scene and then the wrap up of the sex scene can just ruin it. It went in doubt. Don't write it. Have your characters fall asleep, have them get up and get dressed and move on, whatever. But just don't write a bunch of very super specific cleanup details. Um, yeah, I remember reading a um, particular scene um, and um, it involved that cleanup, that anal sex cleanup. And I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Ryder, what are you doing? Oh, oh, I, I skipped ahead because I could not, I could not read a scene that basically treated semen sliding out of somebody's ass like a bowel movement. Oh, Number one, dear. I saw how that works. You don't have to bear down. No. I mean, honestly, you know, you should pee anyway after you go to the, um, you have sex, regardless of your gender, you should, you should pee. Um, it's very good for you to pee. Um, for ladies, you just gotta sit down. You know, nature will run its course. You don't gotta do anything. It's a thing. I'm gonna horrify many of you, but at least half of you, <laughs> at least half wait. of you are gonna be horrified. <laughs> I get, we want to, a lot of times, especially if you've ever written any kind of Sentinel, but oh, just in general, there's something very sensory about sex. There is the feel of it, the, the way the partner looks, the way they sound. Um, there's all of this is this sensory experience in sex, and we want to explore that. When it comes to writing rimming, never, no matter whether you mean it positively or not, talk about the smell or the taste. Okay. <laughs> Ever because Agreed. people because I see people I see people talk about it positively, but the thing is the brain when it goes there it can't get to positive for most people. So your attempts to try to make it hot, the taste of rooming somebody, no, just don't. <laughs> Dark just quit. don't. Just don't. Just she's don't. Been do on it. the cusp of quitting humanity this whole podcast, and now she's done. She quit. I told you I was going to horrify you guys, but I see this a lot. It's people, they, it's like they're continuing the sensory exploration they've done when the couple is kissing or when they're sniffing at each other's necks or something. And all of a sudden they're trying to continue in that vein when they're rimming. And no, put yourself in the corner and think about your life choices and think about why you cannot talk, start talking about the smell and taste of eating somebody's ass. <laughs> <laughs> in a positive way you just can't and you can't and no giving descriptors does not help because usually when they put descriptors in like earthy and musky, musky it doesn't help it makes it worse you know what earthy makes me think of mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> i'll say it makes me think of dirt but you know it makes me think of mushrooms and then that's all i can think of and i'm like that's not sexy <laughs> <laughs> right so it usually actually if it doesn't help all of these qualifiers about what the t unless you're like you know you're doing rimming scenes all he could taste was strawberry flavored lube great go there if you have to but honestly just don't mention it just don't mention it same thing honestly when it comes to anal sex don't start talking about smells <laughs> what is wrong with you 
Look, okay, here's something else. Um, most of the time, sex is not a pleasant smell. And it's not... G- Condoms don't smell good. No. Condoms after sex are, frankly, they're rank. It's just... But don't flush them. Put them in the trash can. Condoms do not belong in the toilet. I've also seen bizarreness where, like, people will write somebody, like... Emptying the condom into the toilet. <laughs> it's like, y'all, I, what is all that? How much semen did he possibly? I mean, how, I don't think they understand how much semen. I mean, even if he's coming the buckets, some people write werewolves coming. For starters, how big is that condom? But second of all, who cares? Why would anybody, I don't care how much cum it is, because a guy who's just had sex does not get up and drain his condom in the toilet. It's just stupid it's really dumb no okay no most i would say there aren't many people who think semen tastes great but talking about the reality of how semen tastes if you're going to have a blowjob scene don't dwell on that it's not hot and the thing is sex in a romance is a fantasy nobody wants to read about gagging i mean occasionally like it triggered his gag reflex and he backed off whatever when you're really focusing on gagging or you're really focusing on how it tastes awful it's unhot it's not sexy there's nothing sexy me, about that reality. Mostly semen is just kind of salty to me. But semen, the, the Texas semen does actually, I mean, um, there is some, a man's diet can change how they taste. And that's true for a woman, too. If, if your diet is horrible, you're going to taste. So just be. Um, and never after asparagus. <laughs> yeah. Be careful. I, Actually, honestly, I would say most publishers are probably okay with nectar or honey when it comes to a woman's. Because there's only so many terms, um, and those are infinitely preferable to some of the alternatives. Right. Because while... Sorry, y'all. But while cream is okay when you're talking about what happens with a guy, it is not okay when you're talking about what's going on with the ladies. Because that's usually a sign of a something really bad we don't need to get that go there I'm saying, <laughs> and the thing is it has become a trend to use that term for women um it's like her cream it's like wait her what no it just not the problem is it doesn't bring the right image right it Girl, takes you to go to walgreens <laughs> right i mean sometimes your mind goes but you don't need to actually stated explicitly y'all know exactly what the problem is right so i don't need to say it and horrify myself anyway so when it comes to the thing is when you're reading sex gritty reality go write porn there's actually is a a style of porn that deals with gritty reality right yeah and they also like they they also really enjoy scat and golden showers too so you know but some people may like a little bit more reality in their sex scene and that's fine. And there is even in 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 like gay fiction, there is a like a subgenre that deals more with the realities, like really realistic gay sex. Some people want to read that. That's fine. But in general, it still needs to be hot. And there are a lot of things that are not hot. Um just need to remember when it comes to rom- romance, specifically romance sex. We're talking about you're selling a fantasy, 
right? You're writing a fantasy. And while, yes, a lot of that stuff is realistic, it doesn't need to be on screen. You can let, most people who are reading your story have had sex. They know people are going to clean up. They know they're going to dispose of the condom. All you do is say they cleaned up and went to sleep. You don't need to go through all the details. You don't need to go through all the hand washing. You don't need to go through the shower. And uh, just, you could be vague. They cleaned up and went to sleep. Get it. We've been there. We've fucked. Now, not everybody who reads your story has had sex, but those who haven't had sex and are reading your story, they definitely don't want to find out that stuff. <laughs> they don't want to know. They want the fantasy even more than I do. They're like, I don't want any of that gritty reality, thanks. If I wanted that, I'd be having it. <laughs> In fact, they probably don't want it more than we do. <laughs> well, that's true, but, you know. So, it's just... Think about the fantasy. Think about what says romance. What says what says sensuality and intimacy? And it is not tying off condoms. It is not being stuck together with semen and tearing your skin off. None of that stuff is sensual. None of it is intimate. None of it is romantic. None of it says love. So ponder your decisions carefully. And the thing is, if you're just somebody who puts some of that stuff in or if fandom has incepted you in a really terrible way and it just kind of comes out, catch yourself in the editing. Kira and I both admitted we probably both have scissoring in yeah. our sex scenes at some point. And it's not because it, I've never scissored anybody in my life. At least no, not that kind I mean, of scissoring. scissoring somebody is likely to get you, you know, punched well, in the likely, face. It's likely to sprain your fingers, quite frankly. Um <laughs> the rectal muscles are quite strong, actually. Quite strong. They gotta be. Um, so, you know, that kind of scissoring is just not something that happens. And yet I see it so much in fan fiction that I'm pretty sure I've written it. It just comes out. It's like there's a scissoring, and then you read your own work and you go, oh my God. <gasps> there scissoring. it is. There's scissoring. And not the fun kind, like sometimes lesbians do. But that kind. <laughs> Which actually, I don't find that kind of scissoring all that much fun either. But it's just because it's logistically difficult. Um, I mean, it seems like it would be a lot of work for very little contact, comparatively speaking. Yeah. I mean, it, there's better contact than scissoring. Are better way. In my opinion, there are. I mean, some people are really into it, but it just never really worked for me. Um, so... So it's just, you know, there's there's things you pick up in fandom, like the tying off the condoms. I'm pretty sure that's something people pick up in fandom, right? Like they've read, they've read it happen in fandom. And maybe a lot of a lot of people, it could be there a huge percentage of them are married women who haven't had anybody wear a condom with them in 20 years, right? So they're just like, oh yeah, they tie off the condom. And then you think, have you ever had anybody tie off a condom with you? Has anybody ever done that? And actually, like I said, I did say that to somebody and they did point out that they'd had a dude do it, but it was because he didn't want to get semen on the carpet. And I just went, so all the lube got on the carpet and you just dropped this gross used condom on the floor. That's like the most horrifying sex partner. Ever. I mean, this is, this is a partner that does not get invited back because now I have to clean my carpet. Right. It's like, what is that on the floor? They consider it lazy ass dick. Well, you get up in the morning, you step on it. He's out. He's out. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, now I'm furious. And then he and goes, my carpet needs cleaned. He goes, oh, well, I tied it off. I'm like, that doesn't help. Anyway, um, you're selling a fantasy. You're selling 
and it's not even fantasy sex. It's fantasy romance. Think about it that way. Yeah, fantasy sex is great, but we can watch porn and get that. We're talking about the fantasy romance. And fantasy romance does not need that kind of gritty reality. What a fantasy romance needs is um, caring, careful partners who take care of each other and defend each other and love each other and accept each other and communicate. And there's, yeah, there's consent, there's love, there's, there's growth, there's acceptance. That's romance. That, that, that's the fantasy that you're putting together for your reader. And so think about those kinds of choices and, and you have, you can make your sex scene as short, as brief and as vague as you want to make it if you're writing sex at all, because to me in romance, that is better than super specific and graphic and all wrong. And if you, if you're uncertain about something, just be vague. You don't have to be specific about how, I mean, I've read people <laughs> trying to be super specific about how the condom got put on. I'm like, that's not actually how you put a condom on. Lube first. <laughs> Lube first? Yeah. That thing's going to slide right off and disappear into whatever orifice you stick your dick into. <laughs> right. I just never be seen again. I just laughed my ass off because he's right. this person's writing this very specific. He, he took the condom packet and he peeled it open and he, you know, peeled the strip off so the condom was available. And he grabbed, got his, took a lube pan, put lube on his dick. And then, you know, and then there's all this discussion about rolling the condom on and how to roll it on, how to pinch the tip. And I, it was super specific, right? I'm like, and I'm sitting there reading this going, they put lube on first. That's not the way that works. Now, there is this warming lube that they used to make. I'm not sure if they still make it. Um, that just a little bit in the condom, like at the tip, in the little reservoir, for fun. But I did that with my husband. I wouldn't do that with, you know, just a casual sex partner. Just a little dip. Not the whole dick. Not the whole dick. Stroking the lube on your whole dick and then putting a condom on is just, why did you bother? <laughs> it's going to slide right off. Yeah. Lubricated condoms are only lubricated on the outside, by the way. And honestly, not very good lube. And it's really remarkably difficult. No. Really remarkably difficult to buy unlubricated condoms sometimes. It's like, hmm. and also, I would also say that a lubricated condom is not enough lubrication for anal sex. No, I have read that. And don't let any motherfucker ever tell you otherwise. I don't know, Twy. That sounds like a little bit of a CBT action right there. Although, I don't know if my mouth could handle it. I used to have a peppermint um, lube. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. That sounds terrible. <laughs> um, I actually find cinnamon very hot. I react very. Ne I reacted very negatively to cinnamon dental floss. So, while I don't like cinnamon in my toothpaste. Yeah, while cinnamon Ooh. on someone's dick could be, like I said, a little entertaining, CBT kind of thing. Um, I wouldn't do it via blowjob just because it would be unpleasant for my mouth. <laughs> There's no need to hurt yourself. <laughs> That's right. Pay attention to who's going to be hurting for this. Um, <laughs> now, I would never go down on a woman with cinnamon anything in my mouth because, uh, honestly, some things are just a wee bit more sensitive. 
my knees just locked together. <laughs> right? Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, this is the last call for questions. Um, there's a, probably a billion things I have read in sex scenes that I would put on my don't do that list. Well, maybe not a billion, but close. But it's hard to think of them all. The, just the general idea is to think about what you want to accomplish with your, with your sex scene and make choices in furtherance of that goal. So if you're trying to write something intimate and romantic and loving, there's no need to put a bunch of gritty reality at the end. It's just going to totally don't throw your gross. tone off. Just just don't be gross. Yeah, don't be gross. <laughs> I mean... Well, the funny thing about um, when, when magazines and... and newspapers publish articles about bad sex um, in writing or in fiction, sometimes they're really wrong. So we talked on one text about a, I think it was Cosmopolitan article about this editor was talking about, you know, all these romantic tropes need to die in a fire kind of thing. And when we went through the list, like three quarters of them are things that are realistic. And we came to the conclusion that the person who had written that article had never had good sex. In their whole entire life. Right. (laughs) They clearly never had a Ever. good O, you know. Um, Not even by themselves. I mean, there was even, I think one of the things, if I remember correctly, was something along the lines of that n- women don't come up every time they have sex. I'm like, oh, yeah, people want that in their romances. That needs to be taken out. We need to we need to take out the idea that if he comes, she comes. Fuck you. Because really, we, we spend a lot of time putting that in there on purpose. Look. People get naked together, they come together. That's right. <laughs> now, some women can't come through vaginal penetration, but if you've got a good partner, they're going to make sure you get off. And if they don't, they don't ever deserve to see you naked again. Ever. So I don't think we have any questions. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm tipped out. <laughs> yeah, me too can't believe Queenie made me think of Ron Weasley while we were talking about sex. Oh. That's a boner killer right there, right? <laughs> I put her in the Sidman for it, too. And I'm not ashamed. And you're not coming out till we have a next podcast. You're just in there. Don't let her out. Anyways, I hope that this has been um, educational and beneficial and entertaining. And um, don't um, don't be gross. And this is old advice, but I think still relevant advice. No ass to mouth. <laughs> Word. <laughs> and no ass to vagina. Definitely, the, definitely that second thing for sure. And you better really, if you're going to do ass to mouth, be sure you think about it. But mouth to ass is okay. I mean, because that's a thing. But, you know. Yeah. (laughs) You guys have a fantastic weekend. And um, happy publication day. Margaret Couplet, who published her third book today. Congratulations. Um, Hope it goes very well. You can find the Autumn Prince. Right? The Autumn Prince. um, At Cobblestone Press. Cobblestone-Press.com So. Say goodnight, Jilly. Good night, everyone.